Hi, it's Jamie, Progressive number one, number two employee. Leave a message at the... Hey, Jamie, it's me, Jamie. This is your daily pep talk. I know it's been rough going ever since people found out about your acapella group, Mad Harmony, but you will bounce back. I mean, you're the guy always helping people find coverage options with the Name Your Price tool. It should be you giving me the pep talk. Now get out there, hit that high note, and take Mad Harmony all the way to nationals this year! Sorry, this is pitchy. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. You are listening to the Voices of Wrestling podcast with your hosts, Joe Lanza. X out, go listen to some boring podcast where they're afraid of their own shadow. Okay? Don't listen to Joe Lanza because Joe Lanza's not changing. And Rich Crange. Give me a name. Like Who delivers this guy in a big spot? Joe, don't yell at me. Like in, the, in the big spot. Who delivers better than this guy? Just stop yelling at me. I agree. All right, welcome once again to the Voices of Wrestling Podcast. I am Rich Crange alongside, as always, the king of banter himself, Mr. Joe Lanza. Joe, how's it going? I'm all right. Um, you know, things are going good. NBA's getting started. We had a thrilling discussion about DePaul basketball before we started recording. <laughs> I wish we could have recorded it and played it for all of our, uh, especially our European uh, listeners, because uh, we, we had a, <laughs> it was pretty funny, we had, you, you posted on the forums kind of a, a big picture feedback thing about this podcast and, and about all of our packet, uh, podcasts in general, just like, hey, what do you like, what do you dislike, and, and pretty much overwhelmingly, like, almost to a man, every single person said, I really don't like when you guys talk about like sports or, and, and a lot of them were like the European listeners. They're like, what the hell are the, like, we're talking about baseball and I don't care. I don't like the sport. I don't know. I can't imagine if we talked for the 20 minutes that we did about DePaul basketball. Can you imagine if we put that on the air? Yeah. I mean, that did get more complaints than anything else, I think, but uh... <laughs> it's just like bottom of the barrel sports talk, like sports talk that no, like even basketball fans would not be interested in us discussing DePaul basketball. But... I'll do three hours on college basketball. You know that. I, I'll, yeah, I'll... I, uh, I don't have much to add to that, unfortunately, but uh, I'll do, I'll do NBA. You know, I've, I've been known to uh, get on the air a few times uh, every so often and, and talk NBA. So give the plug, you know. give the plug. Over and back, over and back NBA on Twitter. It's the over and back classic NBA podcast. We just moved. We're now on the step back, which is the new uh, NBA vertical. It's a cool word for websites on uh, fansided.com as well. So if you go to fansided.com slash NBA uh, and look for the step back, you'll find uh, some written stuff that I've done and also a podcast that me and Jason Mann, the former uh, host of WrestleSpective, the uh, uh, really great wrestling podcast. One of the first like kind of real huge wrestling podcasts as well. Uh, Russell So yeah, we're doing that. Uh, him and I have been doing that for a few years now. So it's a lot of fun. If you like, if you like basketball history, NBA history, it's it's good stuff. Give the dirt on the breakup from the old podcast host. What's the uh, what's it? Nothing at all. It's the same people moving over to a different. Um, it, essentially, I think it was fan sided. Uh, had invested in Hardwood Paroxysm, which is where we were before. I had just, I, and I'm not talking like this isn't like TNA Billy Corgan level investment, which we'll get to here in a little bit. But basically, you know, they, they weren't really getting anything out of it. They were like, hey, you know, why don't we? Why don't you just become part of fan side? we'll call it we'll give your website some new thing or whatever but we want to kind of rebrand it or whatever so it's basically that but pretty much everybody that was on Harvard paroxysm moved over to the step back so it's not that big of a deal unfortunately sorry that's the least dirt i can give so yeah the the, thr- the thrilling college basketball talk that we had before air we talked about DePaul and cal state northridge and i'm not even making that up that was the two topics uh so you guys are very lucky we didn't record that 
Um, Rich, are you watching the Weather Channel? I'm not. What's going on? There's a storm coming. <laughs> Tim Storm is coming to your local territory, the new National Wrestling Alliance champion. Yeah, you have to uh, go find your local NWA affiliates. Um, things looking up for NWA. Uh, I know you're a huge fan of the NWA, so uh, give this uh, news story. I mean, I think this is the only thing uh, we, had, we, we had discussed. Hey, what are we going to lead off with? And this was absolutely the number one thing that we, we both uh, decided our, our Google Doc. It, it was, there was no question what we were going to lead off with, and it was Tim Storm. So I'll let you uh, have the floor hey, here. Listen, Tim Storm is coming to your local territory, and you know your, your favorite babyface is going Broadway with him. I mean, this, this is just going to be just like back in the day. Tim Storm, your new National Wrestling Alliance champion, knocking off Jack Stane. But I'll tell you, you know, it was kind of a head-scratching. Uh, Rich, do you know? Are you even familiar with Tim Storm? Do you know who the man is? Uh, I know nothing of Tim Storm, unfortunately. So I don't sorry. think you're alone. It seemed like a head scratching move, uh, but you know. Then we find come out come to find out that uh, Jax Dane is going to be in the uh, Ring of Honor Survival of the Fittest. Did you see that coming? I did. Uh, no, I didn't. I mean, especially for um, ROH, which we've kind of we've given them a lot of crap uh, as of late of not really doing a great job of of kind of calling together you know big time independent talent and stuff like that. But Jax Dane, that's a good get for them. I mean, yeah, it's not like a you know a hot shot. Um, indie guy or whatever, but Jack Stane's a solid worker, and I, I think he fits well into kind of what they try to do or what they like to do uh, in, in uh, Ring of Honor. So, you know, I, I'm okay with that. It's a, it's a pretty solid move. Is Delirious watching his Texian, uh, his uh, Texas indie tapes? You got, you know, you're bringing in Ray Rowe, Shane Taylor, Keith Lee, Jax Dane. What, what is happening here? The Texas oh, indies. Uh, uh, ACH, to an extent. ACH, also, you know, yeah. he, he was the first one. You know, it's like, uh, it's a Texas indie takeover in, uh, in, in the Ring of Honor. Pretty odd place to farm talent. But it looks like Jax Dane at least is going to get a shot there. But, uh, yeah, Tim Storm, your new NWA champion. Uh, Joe, I want to play a little game with you first before we, before we do that. Everybody likes when we play these little games. I'm going to name a NWA promotion, and you try to guess what state they're based in. Can you do that? You know, if there's one person who would probably do fairly well at this, it's me. So yes. I'll, I'll, I, I do actively follow the end. You do. So that's that. I mean, it wasn't a joke. It wasn't a troll either. I think you. Uh, I have, there, yeah. there's a few that I have never heard of. Um, so this will be interesting to see. All right. Uh, okay. So NWA 360. That's in Texas. Temple, Texas. Nice job. One for one. All action wrestling. NWA all action wrestling. Um, that's not in Texas. This one's a little weird. I, I can that maybe, do you want me just to do domestic one, US? I, know, do I, just, I think I know okay. that one. That one's not in Texas. And I know that's not one of the like Smoky Mountain ones. I'm thinking it's either international or like Pacific Northwest. Is it all? It is international. It, it is Australia. There you go. Nice. Perth, Australia. So you're two for two. Let's go. I could do this. NWA Appalachia. Oh, well, I mean, oh, I need the state though, right? <laughs> I mean, it's states. It's all, it's okay. West Virginia. I was, I, that one's okay. Yeah. That, it's kind of a, yeah. I mean, you could pick like 15 different Appalachians. That's fine. We'll, we'll give you that one, West Virginia. Uh, this one's gonna be tough. NWA Atlanta. I, I'm going to guess that's in Georgia. You are going to be correct, sir. Uh, this is also a tough one. NWA Atl- <laughs> Atlantic Canada. I don't know. It's just Wait, Atlantic it's Canada. I, I just says Atlantic Canada is all it says. So I don't know. I guess it's it doesn't have. I don't know. It's just that entire Atlantic side of Canada. So there you go. Uh, this one will also be tough. NW Bayou Independent Wrestling. I feel like you're just making fun of the NWA now, Rich. Why do I? I'm not. No, not never. No, never. I wonder who the champions are in these various promotions. That would that's be a, that would be a tougher game. <laughs> that's going to be a tough one. Uh, only a few more left to go. I think you got this. You're, you're doing pretty well already. So, 
NWA Bayou, independent wrestling. It's Louisiana, Rich. Okay. Oh, I didn't. I got to get your answer. NWA Blue Collar. Blue Collar. I've never heard of this. NWA Blue Collar. Um, Is that one in Oklahoma? Uh, It's an O. Uh, Must be Ohio then. It's Oregon, actually, but that's all right. So that's fine. I'll let you go on that one because I've legitimately never heard of them. Uh, NWA branded outlaw wrestling, of course. That's, that's San, San Antonio, Antonio Texas, that one. baby. Jack Stane. Yep, We've come full circle. That's exactly. Uh, NWA Central States. NWA Central States Championship Wrestling. Uh, Missouri. Uh, you know, I'm going to give it to you. It's East St. Louis, Illinois, but we've basically given that to Missouri. So that's, uh, that's fine. Uh, not really. We'll take credit for Darius Miles, but we'll take credit for Darius Miles, but nothing else of East St. Louis. No, that's, uh, we'll give that to Missouri. So uh, NWA Combat Sport. Ooh, that's a new one. Um, yeah, no, 2015 they came came to be. So. Indiana. Uh, actually, Pensacola, Florida. Hmm. Anybody elite championship wrestling? Uh, elite. Um, that, I don't think that's Texas either. It's close. It's Louisiana. Okay. All right, NWA Fight Nation. Oh wow, I've never heard of some of these. Where's that? Yeah, that's that's a UK. That's London. Uh, NWA Insanity. Is that international too? Uh, it's, uh, no, it is Milwaukee, Wisconsin, actually. Are you so, familiar I, with that one? I am not. <laughs> I don't know. You, uh, NWA main event pro wrestling. You need to go to an NWA insanity show. I, I guess so. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I wonder if it's insane. It better be with that billing. Right now, I mean, that's <laughs> uh, pretty good. Uh, uh, NWA main event pro wrestling. This one's three different states. Um, I don't, you don't really need to do this one if you don't want to. So. Three different states. Who's this uh, gutsy promoter? It's a little Texarkana thing. We got uh, Arkansas, Texas, Louisiana here. Oh, okay. So. All right. Uh, NWA Mid-Atlantic? Uh, NWA Mid-Atlantic. So that's either going to be uh, North Carolina or Maryland. I'll go with North Carolina. It's actually West Virginia, sir. Oh, okay. So All right. doesn't really make a lot of sense. All right. I mean, well, well, uh, well, NWA Appalachia was taken. So, yeah. I, I guess else. so. So you had chosen Mid-Atlantic, even though you're West Virginia. Uh, NWA Mid-South Pro Wrestling. The former Old School Wrestling Alliance, per Wikipedia. It's South Carolina. I'm just going to go through the rest of these. So, NWA New Breed Wrestling Association. They're in uh, Oxfordshire, England. NWA New Revolution Wrestling in Denver, Colorado. NWA Next Level Wrestling is in Knoxville, Tennessee. Uh, NWA Old School Wrestling. Can you get this one? No. Odessa, Texas. I thought you you know all your Texas ones. I'm nowhere near Odessa. I don't know. Well, you know, hey, you know all of that. Uh, NWA Rage, Renegade Alliance of Grappling Entertainment. Oh, my God. The former NWA Warzone. Vinnie Vane and Richard Mullins is North Carolina. Uh, NWA Smoky Mountain Wrestling, that's obviously in Tennessee. That's, pro- uh, now, I- that's probably one of their top affiliates. They got a nice Absolutely. little YouTube yeah, show yeah. going. Yeah, that's, they do. They that's do. where Jay, uh, Jay, uh, uh, Kincaid came out of there. Chase Owens uh, came out of there. That's not a bad little promotion. All right, we got NWA Southern All-Star Wrestling. They're in Tennessee as well. Uh, NWA Supreme, they're in various cities in Indiana. NWA Midwest is in Marion, Ohio. NWA Texas Stampede Wrestling, obviously Texas. Uh, NWA Texoma Pride, which is in Texas and Oklahoma. I've never heard of that one. NWA Top of Texas. Top of Texas, Armadillo. Armadillo. Yeah, okay. Oh, you know Armadillo? Oh, and, okay. and, and, and NWA Tahoma, that's, Tahoma, that's where Jack Stane just lost the title to, to Tim Storm. There you go. Again, full circle here. NWA Vendetta Pro Wrestling, they're in California. Yeah. Uh, NWA World Class, that's in Rio Grande Vendetta, Valley, Texas. Vendetta, if you recall, uh, co-promoted a show with Gabe Sapolsky a few years ago. Uh, John Morrison versus Akira Tozawa. Was that them? Oh, man. Vendetta. 
Were they were they an NWA affiliate at that point or no? I don't think so. Okay, yeah, I wasn't sure. Either. They were saving their money, Rich, to buy the membership. Uh, yeah, it's it's not easy. <laughs> it's a yeah, pretty it's penny. To pockets. Get. pockets. Uh, anyway, world literally class. Literally a pretty penny. Like um, and literally a pocket. <laughs> so, like, NWA in, world class. Never heard of that. That's one. in Rio Grande, Texas. So. Oh, Rio Grande. That's should be in Dallas. Like, I mean, but I don't know Where, where's Rio Grande Valley in can, comparison to Dallas. I have no idea. So. Do you know? I don't know either. NWA Wrestling Revolution. They're in McAllen, Texas. Yeah. And then NWA Wrecking Ball Wrestling. Do you know where they're at? I don't. Wrecking Ball Wrestling. They're in Wichita, Kansas. So that is your current NWA. So uh, if you are in any of those cities that we just mentioned, uh, you got to go watch Tim Storm. Because um, he is maybe coming to your he's town. He's coming to your territory. Probably he's not. going Broadway <laughs> with the top face, just like Ric Flair in 84. Okay? It's happening. Um, listen, Tim Storm, by all accounts, nice man. Everyone will tell you what a nice guy he is, a uh, quality worker. Um, I don't want to say a bad word about Tim Storm, but you look at the quality of and, and the name recognition of the NWA champions, and not just the world champion, but all of the titles, the tag titles, the junior titles, from just maybe a year and a half, two years ago, and compare it to today, and uh, it's it's a drastic, drastic difference. So um, make of that. A difference will. you can almost attribute if you listen um, to a show we did where we discussed something that was going on in the NWA uh, around that time. And uh, there's a clear line of similar to Ring of Honor, how there was like a clear line of we, you know, we t- we spoke of some big news. And all of a sudden, a lot of things changed. A lot of things felt different. Uh, NWA was definitely one of those two where something changed. Something was big. And pretty much from that point on, yeah, it's not been very good. Uh, <laughs> uh, there was a point where we really enjoyed the, the NWA. We were talking a lot about it. They were, you know, getting decent publicity. And then something happened, and now they're not. So, yeah. Bruce Tharp is a great performer. All time. All time great. He's a tremendous manager. Tremendous on-screen presence. Yep. <laughs> that's, Big fan and of that's where we'll end it. Yes. I am. I like him. <laughs> I like Uncle Bruce. He's a big. I'm a big fan. He's a great on-screen presence for sure. Good Twitter follow too. Good Twitter follow. I've, I've swapped some emails with the man. He's a nice guy. He's a great on-screen presence. We'll let that one go. Anyway, Joe, before we get into the topics, we got a ton to talk about today. We got uh, TNA, uh, Billy Corgan, the whole saga going on there, which is just taking a completely different turn. And I'm glad we, last week we said, hey, we're going to talk about this a little bit. I am glad we waited a week because we had, you know, the trial or the, the kind of injunction that happened a few days ago that we want to talk a little bit about. Um, just that that saga is just incredible. So we're going to talk a little bit about what was in the uh, Wrestling Observer and a little bit of what's going on there. And and for people that don't really kind of know what, what's going on, we'll try to give a cliff notes. This is some heavy-duty stuff, a lot of lawyer speed. And, and, and different things like that. So uh, we have an article on the website that Matt McLean, uh, who's actually a lawyer uh, and writes for the site, he wrote a very good piece if you want to kind of get an idea of what the hell's going on here. Also, uh, this week's Wrestling Observer did a very good job, but we'll talk about that uh, here in a little bit. Of course, we have Hell in a Cell. We're going to do our 1-10 to 10 game for that. We previewed a little bit of it last week, but we're getting a bigger detail here. And then Noah had a big show with a big, uh, big-time big main event with uh, a very newsworthy uh, uh, happening in, in, in the main event. So we'll talk a little bit about that show. I know you watched it. I watched uh most of it, so we'll uh, we'll preview or, or, or review it rather. Um, and then there's some uh, interesting news going on in the world of of pro wrestling distribution. It's Flow Sports, Flow Slam. We'll talk a little bit about that. What we knew, what we know, uh, and what's going to kind of happen, and and how it might change the landscape. But before we do that, Joe, 
I will let you know that this episode of the Voice Wrestling Podcast is sponsored by Mac Weldon, our good friends at Mac Weldon. And Joe, you know that Mac Weldon believes in smart design, premium fabrics, and simple shopping. You go to their website, it, there's not 7,000 different things to go through. There's yeah, a pair of underwear, uh, an undershirt, a sweatshirt, a hoodie, as you know. You pick, you, you pick whatever you want. You say you want underwear, you pick a color, and that's it. It's, you're ready to go that quick, that easy. The shopping experience is just so easy and so it, – it, it's just it's high-quality stuff, too. I mean, I have the underwear. I have a polo as well. I love both the things. I'm actually literally wearing the underwear right now and the polo shirt. So uh, I know you're wearing your hoodie now because what's it in, in, in Texas? What, 84 today? We've now entered the time of year where it's 93 degrees during the day and 60 degrees at night. So you need that hoodie then? I do. Are you wearing it now? I am. Okay, you got the window open. You're wearing the hoodie. It's, it's, it's Texas weather there. So Texas, Texas winter going on. What is the lowest it ever gets by you? Where I'm at, uh, there'll be about two weeks in January – um, that'll get down to about a very frigid 50, 55. Man. Is, is that hoodie weather for you, or are you a, a cream puff now and you wear, like, the, the you know, giant, you, you know, coat and gloves and uh, ski mask or whatever? Are you, like, one of them, or, or are you still the New Jersey and you, 55, is still just kind of whatever? Man, I am shorts 365. It's like I'm living yeah, okay. in the tropics, okay? <laughs> but, yeah, you're right. These people will bust out. The- they know you're a Yankee, too, by the way, right? Uh, yeah, because I'm the guy wearing shorts when it's 50 degrees. So I stick out like a sore thumb because they're wearing their parkas and their mittens and their scarves. And, you know, they're bundled up like they're going skiing when it's 55 degrees out because it's unheard of for them. You know what I mean? I'm out there in shorts and a T-shirt, maybe the Mack Weldon uh, hoodie. Absolutely. So anyway, uh, Mack Weldon, as we've said, is the most comfortable underwear, socks, shirts, undershirts, hoodies, and sweatpants that you will ever wear. And because they like us so much and we love you, you go to MacWeldon.com and you get 20% off your next order at MacWeldon.com using our promo code VOW. That's promo code VOW at MacWeldon.com. You get 20% off your next purchase of Mac Weldon. So, Joe, let's get into this TNA Billy Corgan saga. Um, initially, before we kind of read what, what, what was in the Observer, what is your big picture take about what the hell's going on here? Or are you kind of like, I have no idea what the hell is going on? Because that's how kind of I was before today. And I, I, I spent a lot of time kind of researching it and trying to dig a little bit deeper to see what the hell's going on. And it's, it, it, it's, it's very simple, but complicated at the same time, if that makes any sense. What, what is your big picture take on it so far? Uh, it's, it's a lot to take in. Um, here, one thing that, that I think is kind of gross is Dixie Carter. And I guess I'm getting ahead of ourselves a little here, but I think it's kind of gross that Dixie Carter is blaming the lack of paychecks that people are receiving right now on the lawsuit when that really has nothing to do with it. Um, she's a piece of crap. I mean, she's kind of a bad person. She is a bad, she's, she, to me, that's like this is like the most deplorable thing she's done yet. I mean, th- th- this lawsuit isn't tying up any funds or I mean, there's no reason that this would be this is not the re- reason that the wrestlers have not been paid to the point that now here's you know the wrestlers are also you know threatening to stage some sort of boycott boycott from what? I mean there's <laughs> they're all going to have to fly to Orlando to boycott because they're not. I mean, yeah, they're not a touring brand. I, yeah, what are you doing? Like, what? <laughs> where are you going to boycott? What are you going to do? I mean, that I don't quite understand because what? Like, there's no shows, so there's like this talk that they're going to rebel and boy, boycott. What exactly? I don't understand. You know, it's like uh, there's nothing to boycott. But um, but yeah. So I think that's kind of gross. I think for the sake of. Uh, the wrestling fans perspective, I would like to see Billy Corrigan win this thing and end up in control of the company because it seems like he cares. 
it seems like he gives a shit. He absolutely cares. I mean, he cares way too much, really, is, is one of the takeaways you can come from this and maybe what we'll get to in a little bit here. He cares a lot and way more than anybody else in his position or anybody else with that amount of money or whatever. He, he, he wants TNA. I mean, anybody else in this position, if, if they weren't passionate about this, would have said, whatever, just pay me back my money. I don't care. I'm out. And never speak of it again. But Billy is fighting it. He's saying, no, give me this company, which is is just so weird because they, they're going to pay him back. They're going to pay him back with interest as well. So he could just as easily say, you know what, guys, you're fucked up. I don't want to be involved in this anymore. Just pay me back my money and we'll act like this thing never happened. But he's not doing that. He's staying there and fighting, which is, is commendable in one way. But also, what are you doing, buddy? <laughs> like, come on. He desperately wants control of this company which he you know knows and admits is not solvent he knows it's it's worth less than what it owes um the sticking point appears to be he feels like based on his his argument is based on the the deal he made when he saved the company's ass twice is that his 38% stake or what he he beca- he should become the the sole person in charge Dixie Carter's position is no. I wanna I wanna use the money I'm getting from the Fight Network parent company to pay Anthem, yeah. to pay you back, and then my hands are clean of you. Okay, but supposedly she has until November first to do so. So he kind of snuck all of this into the system before she would have a chance to pay him back. Hoping that see it's very convoluted in that way. How are you reading it? And am I sort of on the right track? No, there? that that's exactly what it is. And, and in a second here, well, I'm going to read from the Observer as well, like verbatim what what Dave was writing, um, just to kind of get a, a better idea of what's going on. But yeah, that's essentially what it is. Is is there's this weird power struggle here where you know Dixie and again, and this is why you know the, the conclusion coming out of this. I mean, yeah, people are kind of laughing at Billy Corgan because you know you know he's kind of a weird dude and he has these funny things. But he's I, I don't know that he's the bad guy in this situation whatsoever. I think he might be the, the stupid guy in some cases and, and maybe the far too trusting guy in, the, in these cases. But essentially what you can kind of slim it down to is, is Dixie Carter was using Billy Corgan to get, you know, I need to pay for these tapings. I need to pay for these tapings. And, and Billy Corgan constantly bailed her out and constantly gave her money. And she was fine with that. That was cool with her. You know, Billy, hey, you get involved and you do these things. You know, we'll even call you president. We'll do all this sort of things. And, and, she had never at any point one thought that he was president or considered him a president or listened to what he was doing or anything like that. He was just kind of, okay, yeah, we'll, we'll take your money. Thank you. Thank you. And then Anthem comes in and Anthem says, Hey, you know what? We'll give you money. And Dixie goes, Oh, okay. Well, screw you, Billy. Let's do this. And now she's going on Anthem's side because Anthem is saying, Hey, we have some more cash flow. We have a little bit more money. You have to beg us every time we want to get involved in this a little bit more. We're going to buy the company outright and you'll still get, you know, 5%. You can still save face. Similar to what we knew many years ago where, there were rumors that the company was, you know, there, there was the old Paul Heyman rumor many years ago. I mean, God, it was, was it almost 10 years ago now? Have we been doing this saga for, for that long? Where there was the Paul Heyman thing where he was going to come in, and, and one of his big things was, yeah, I'll come in, but I, I don't want Dixie there. And they went, no, you know, we're not going to do that. And there was the other investor, too. That was a few years ago where um, I don't know that it was exactly Toby Keith, but I kind of, if you dance around it, it, it was probably Toby Keith that said, hey, yeah, I'll buy the company, and but I don't want Dixie there. And they flat out said, no, we, we, we want Dixie. So every step of the way, it's always been Dixie save face. Dixie still be a part of it. Dixie still have some controlling interest. Dixie still be in front and center and still be in charge of some things or whatever. Billy Corgan was not going to do that. I think Dixie read that. And saw that Anthem said, yeah, we don't care. We want, you know, 95% of the company, but we'll let you have that 5%. We'll let you still keep something. We'll still let you sort of save face. And she, of course, being who she is, said, oh, I'll take this deal. 
And now it's in this weird situation where Billy is like, well, no, I, you know, I gave you this money and you told me I had this percent. You told me that I was this president. And you told me all this sort of stuff. And, and Dixie's saying, no, I didn't. No, I didn't. No, I didn't. And then that's kind of where we're at now is Dixie saying, well, there's nothing you can prove that I, I said that. There's no documentation that you're the president. It's just all this weird stuff. And Anthem's basically in their respect saying, you know, we're solvent. So Billy saying that TNA isn't solvent isn't correct because we are solvent. So it's this weird thing where, where Anthem is trying to say, yes, we have money and we're going to give that money to TNA. Billy is arguing this company is, it, it has, you know, 10 times the amount of uh, debt than assets. And you're not, in, you're insolvent. You can't pay. You're not paying your workers. And Dixie's just kind of along for the ride as she usually is. So it's bizarre. It, it's just a mess. Yeah. And, um, it's it, the the what's the name of the anthem right? Anthem is the the parent company. Yeah, we're and we're gonna mention. They, they were they were wanting point. to buy it outright. They were yes, they yeah, and, and the outright because that's what Corgan is prevents. Billy is saying no. I have the ability because I have you know X amount percent that I have uh, a say in anything that we do, you know, anything that we sell, any any negotiations, all that sort of stuff. Which was another point of contention because Heat comes to find out that Anthem and, and Dixie or whoever was talking to WWE about selling the company or, or Dixie rather was talking to WWE about selling the company and did flat out did not involve Billy in it at all and said that I won't sell it to you, you know, if, if Billy's around. So it's just, right. what we know, it's a what, we, what we've learned is WWE was interested in buying the entire company before they were interested in just buying the tape library. In fact, there were, from how I understand it, there were two different points where WWE may have made offers to buy the entire company, and then mm-hmm. there was a third point where there was a there was supposedly an offer where for just the tape library. So WWE's been in the game longer than people thought because that didn't really break as news until they were in the hunt for supposedly the library. Now, yeah, I believe that was in uh, August, if I if I remember correctly, and I, I think uh, I can I can look it up. But uh, yeah, it, it, it's been year, it's been quite a while now that they've been involved. Right. So now there, now I've seen people say, all right, well, Billy's being kind of sleazy because he knew Dixie was going to get this money, then have the ability to pay him off, and then you know b- before the first of November, and then wash your hands of him. Sure. But um, from that same perspective, I, I, I disagree with that because I see where he's coming from. From his perspective, he's saying, now, wait a minute. In my opinion, I have 38% of the company. So if there's going to be a sale, I need to be involved in this. I need to be involved in the process. I need to have a chance to sign off on this. Um, so I don't, you know, on one hand, yeah, it may have something to do. Look, he clearly wants total control of the company. Okay. So he's never going to sign off on a sale to a third party because he wants it. Okay. So I think him, you know, filing this injunction at, at the time that he did was twofold. I do think he wanted to prevent the sale, but at the same time, I, 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 I do think that um, the reason he wants to prevent the sale is because he wants that 11, one date to kick in. So he gets full control of the company um, because he's not going to sign off because if he was involved in the process, the way that he, claims that he should have been he's not signing off on a sale anyway so i i don't know about you i'm 100 percent corrigan here i don't think he's in the wrong i don't think he's doing anything underhanded um at, at minimum he's just he's the lesser of two evils for sure i mean dixie carter i find i i don't here's the thing with dixie carter i especially now with this thing where she's blaming the lawsuit on not paying attention i don't trust her at all i think she's a piece of garbage 
No, she is. She absolutely is. And and there was people that for many years would sort of say, yeah, you know, she she's not the greatest, but she's very loyal to her employees. You know, there was always that thing that she was super loyal. She hated firing people. She hated doing that. If you don't come away from this lawsuit and, and everything that's going on here not thinking that she's just an absolute piece of crap, then I, I don't know what to tell you because she she absolutely is a piece of shit. I mean, that, that's I, there's no other way to come out of this. I mean, even if you think that Billy's stupid or Billy's being weird here, or, you know, there's some weird stuff going on. I mean, she absolutely comes away as a total piece of shit. Yeah, I, I without question. I think she's a bad person. Um, I, I think I think she can't be trusted. I think she is manipulative. I think she goes behind people's backs. I think um, I I I believe most of the most, if not all, of the Billy Corrigan side of the dispute. I find him more credible than her. Um, I, I I and look, I I think he doesn't. I mean, he clearly is not a fan of her either. I mean, he had that great quote. Uh, what what was the exact quote where she asked why she wasn't being involved in talent meetings and all those things? Oh, what what did he say exactly? You're you're you're, oh, you're damaged uh, goods. Damaged goods. That was the word. I was I, was, I thought broken like, something. But yeah, damaged you're damaged goods. Yeah. She's no, absolutely. Yeah. And he wants to rebrand the whole thing, which I think in this case is smart too because he knows Dixie Carter's damaged goods, and he knows that uh, TNA the TNA brand and the Impact Wrestling brand is all damaged goods. Um, the one thing I don't like about Billy Corgan is he puts himself on TV and there's just something about, and especially someone who like him, who's, uh, you know, it was already a famous person was already in the spotlight was, is very clearly on the downside of his fame. It must be very alluring to him to put himself on TV and to make himself part of the show. I mean, because you look historically you know, there have been people who are who were you know your 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 who were just common suits who couldn't resist the temptation of putting themselves on TV when they got in charge of wrestling company. This is a guy who already was a celebrity and already is addicted to fame and hasn't been in the spotlight in God knows how many years. You could argue almost twenty years now. Uh, so that's a little scary. I, I don't ever like seeing these guys putting themselves on TV. But in terms of what's going on with the business maneuverings. I think it's very hard not to be on his side uh, just from a legal perspective. And I also think it's very hard as a wrestling fan not to be rooting for him to come out ahead here. Dixie Carter, besides being a, a, a pretty scummy person, has also proven to be a terrible business person. She's just bad at this. Uh, so on top of everything else, you can almost live with Dixie Carter. Look, wrestling promoters almost universally are bad people. Okay, but it, you could almost live with them if they're if they're if they're good at what they do and they present you a good product as a fan. Um, you, you know, that's that's almost uh, you know the rub of the thing. That, that yeah, you know, but she's not even good at that. I mean, she's, no. <laughs> she's never been good at running this company. She makes horrible business decision after horrible business decision. You have this sleazy thing where now supposedly they owe the federal government money. The Bruce Pritchard story, where. You know, they were taking the proper withholdings out of his checks, but they were keeping the money. They weren't giving it to the government because they were. <laughs> oh, why do you have to give the money to the government? So, uh, who cares? so the government comes after Bruce Pritchard and says, you owe us back taxes. Lucky for this guy, he digs up his pay stubs and says, now, hold on a second. I don't know where the money is, but I don't have it. So, so he's off the hook. OK, so then, they, you know, now they're after TNA because, they, you know, and I'm sure he wasn't the only one. They're withholding taxes for they're withholding payroll taxes from people and keeping the money probably to keep the, the company you know running, which is just mind blowing. I mean, how she might end up in jail. 
She might, yeah. I mean, that's it's it's not unrealistic that she does. I mean, she's she's kind of jumped from one life vest to the other uh, for the past what seems like a decade, but it, it finally seemed like over the past few weeks that it was kind of all caving in on her. And I, I think this is only the tip of the iceberg of, of things that are going to just go wrong with with this company. I think everything's kind of coming to a head. And, and if they ever do open these documents and open up the books and do all that sort of stuff, God only knows what's going to happen here. And I think that's part of what Corgan is trying to do as well a little bit is is to give people an idea of hey, look, <laughs> this is this is the situation that's going on in this company. This is what's going on here, um, and it, it's not pretty. It, it's it's terrible all around. So um, real quickly, uh, here's what Mag McLean, uh, who, who wrote a really good piece on our, our website, voicewrestling.com, if you want to look for it. Uh, you can find it there. It's also – you can search for it too. It's just you know what, what, what to make of the Billy Corgan you know, TNA saga um, on voicewrestling.com. And here's a quick overview. He's a lawyer. He's a legit lawyer. Yeah, I, I begged him. I said, please, for God's sakes, I have no idea what's going on here. Please write something about this so we can get an idea. And I'm glad he did because I got more insight reading from him, and I believe you will. Can you believe, uh, can you believe first of all, that we have like three lawyers on our staff? Three, like, like and, legit, like not, yeah. And like four or five people who do law work. It's, 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 it's insane. On yeah. our stupid, idiots. Yeah, we're ridiculous idiots. website. <laughs> you know, it, it, this is great. But yeah, go ahead. Anyway, so here's four points that he kind of said, uh, a quick overview of what is known and what is not after the hearing. So uh, here are four things that you kind of come away with. Billy Corgan does not own any shares of Impact Ventures, the parent company of TNA. Corgan is only a creditor. Corgan is looking to enforce a share pledge agreement entered into between he and Dixie Carter. TNA is alleging that they are not insolvent and that the share pledge agreement is unenforceable. So those are the kind of the interesting things here is that because I'm with you, I'm rooting for Billy and I want Billy to win, but Matt comes away with it. And a lot of people have come away with it thinking, I don't know if Billy's going to win this because he thinks, and rightfully so, maybe he trusted Dixie and he, he took her at a word that he thought he was more than just a guy who was giving a loan to this company. He thought he was the president. And then she sends an email saying, oh, LOL, he's not the president. You know, we don't care what he's doing. You know, you know, he was under the impression that with all these agreements that he was saying, okay, I will give you money, but then I'm going to be uh, chief creative officer, I think was the first title that he said he wanted to be. I, I don't know. I, I might have the wording off a little bit there. And then he gave the next round of funding and said, okay, well, now I want to be the president or whatever. And Dixon went, oh, yeah, whatever. Okay, yeah, you're the president. Like, But it was only – she only was saying that for him to do that. And, yes, he signed something that said, hey, I am now the president. But apparently it is it, – it's just – a, a share pledge agreement. It's nothing that's that's really binding. So I think that's going to be the interesting thing is how Tennessee law and, and Matt was kind of doing a little bit there. He doesn't practice in Tennessee. He um, he's he's from Canada, so he's trying to get a little bit of an idea of kind of what's going on in, in Tennessee or whatever. But he's of the mindset, and a few other people have come to this conclusion as well that. Billy might not win because there's just nothing that legally shows that Billy Corgan owns what he thought he owned in Impact. He thinks he has thirty six you know percent. He thinks he has this. He thinks he has that. But Impact Ventures, as far as they know, he's just the guy that gave them money. To me, and look, I'm I'm no lawyer, okay. Um, I to me, it seems like what it's going to come down to is is a ju- is the judge going to determine that he would have had some sort of say in a sale? I, I feel like that's what's going to come down to because if it's determined that he would have had a say in any in any sort of sale, then yes, Dixie Carter going behind his back and cutting a deal uh, without him involved, uh, he's going to win. But based on his agreement, if he does not have a say in, in any sort of sale, then I think he's going to lose, and that if she was able to cut this deal before the first, and if she was able to pay him off with whatever the, the interest agreement was, because there's a dispute there too. Her side is claiming that he kept asking for more money every time they had a conversation. 
uh, you know, with with the implication being to make it more difficult to pay him off and get rid of him and get him out of her hair. So uh, to me, that's really what it's going to come down to. And, um, you know, it's it's going to be interpretation of those documents by the judge. And we know how these things go. There might be appeals and this could get dragged on for a very long time all over a company that is severely in the red <laughs> and owes a million different people money, including the employees. It has 10 times the debt, 10 times the amount of debt as it does assets, which is just, I mean, really their assets are, you know, their TV deals, which are not even, you know, are, are coming up for renewal pretty soon. And, and, and people have mentioned that the ratings in, in other places have not been very good. And, and God only knows if they're going to get those. And then the tape library. I mean, the tape library is legitimately the, the biggest asset this entire company has. And I think we got an idea here that it was valued at somewhere between 2 and $3 million total. So that's about it. I mean, 2 or $3 million and then a little bit more negligible stuff is basically the value of this company is completely. And their debt is a little bit more than that. So... Yeah. So, I mean, I mean, as far as the wrestling company itself goes, I mean, here we are again. They've been on death door so many times. I mean, this is this is just it's it's this is we say it all the time. How can they possibly survive whatever comes out of this? I mean, this is just um, we don't know if they're going to be able to, you know, run their next tapings in January. And I know that seems like it's a mile away, but it really isn't. I mean, you know, it's, we're, you know, we're a couple of days away from November. Um, you know, the, the time flies, man, we're going to be in January before we know it. Um, and especially if all this is still tied up, I mean, if this is still, you know, stuff going on, uh, with the courts and whatnot, and, and it's, it's unclear who owns the company. Why does the fight network wa- want this piece of shit either? I mean, I don't, why they're are there... a very, yeah, I don't, I don't get their inclusion in it at all. I get that they probably want some content for their TV uh, network and they probably want the tape library. Cause I think they can do some stuff with this, but to fight this hard for this company, it, it just seems really bizarre just cause I, I just don't know what it's worth in, in, in even the highest sense, even the, the tape library. I mean, yeah, you can value it at two to 3 million and I guess that is the value of it, but I, I don't, it's, you know, WWE, I think, can get two to three million dollars worth of, of value, maybe from that tape library. I, can fight network? I don't think so. Personally, yeah. I disagree with that. I mean, no, and I, 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 and I don't know that that is true either. I'm saying they could. You know, you know what I mean. If, if any company could get even remotely close to that max value, it would be WWE. And I'm not sure it, that they would either, because I think you know how many new network subs are you getting because exactly. uh, you know against all odds, 2005 is finally on the network. Like that, you know what I mean, like that. And I, I think the answer is zero. I mean, or close right. to zero. The thing is, I think in 2006, it would have been worth a lot of money because you're going to sell DVDs. You could sell your sure. styles and your stink DVDs. Well, you do those, you do those documentaries. And that was the big thing about getting a lot of the WCW things that they could churn out, you know, the Goldberg documentary, the death of WCW, the Monday Night Wars. But you can throw those me, things those out are, there. And you but have... to me, those are legit draws. Exactly. There are people yeah. who pay for the network because they wa- they're watching Nitro. Okay. I really don't think there's, there's a significant amount of people who are going to pay for the network to watch Impact. I really don't. I don't think there's a significant amount of people who are going to pay for the network to watch an AJ Styles two-hour documentary that happens to have TNA footage in it or a Sting documentary that has TNA. I mean, really, you can do a Sting <laughs> documentary without TNA That's footage. That's really the and you're thing. Not even like... really, you know what I mean? It's like it wouldn't be complete, but it wouldn't exactly be uh, terrible either to skip that era of his career. I mean, look, and the bottom line is I don't think people are going to go, oh, wow. They can make 
totally awesome AJ Styles and Sting documentaries. I have to buy the network. And it's- <laughs> this Dudley Boys documentary will be so much better now that they can show Team 3D. Thank God. Like I'm just not. I'm not buying that. You know, the Rob Van Dam one will be so much better. The Bobby Roode. They can play. Then finally get Bobby Roode all connected up. Uh, you know, yeah. Yeah. So. That's that. That yeah. I, I agree too. And and my my stance was mostly that if anybody could get even remotely close to that amount of value, it would be WWE. But I I don't know that they would either. And and I especially don't think the Fight Network would uh, get anywhere near that amount of value for it. And so I I just don't understand why they're fighting so much more. Other than maybe they just want to own a wrestling company. But it's like you know, even in your backyard, go go for a quarter of the money. Go buy Smash. You know, put a bunch of money into Smash Wrestling and, and, and really get behind that company. You know, that's in their backyard. That's in Toronto. That's in Canada. Do that. You know, why are you fighting for this company, for Impact, for TN? I mean, maybe they I'm feel glad like, that... maybe they feel like, okay, if we could put this on our network and we can draw X amount of viewers and we can draw X amount of dollars through. I, maybe they at least have a, some sort of business plan that they feel is viable. I believe they're a pay channel, too. I, I I don't know that for a fact. Somebody from Canada can let us know, but I'm almost positive they are. Uh, I, I don't know. if Well, I don't know if they're necessarily paid, but it's on a higher tier of their cable, if I, if I remember correctly. Well, let's but. give them the benefit of the doubt. I mean, if they were thinking about buying the company and, and, and being in charge of the company, maybe they have people in place that they were ready to put in charge to run it. And maybe it was going to be another. Maybe they were going to do a complete rebranding. Maybe, uh, you know, there's more to this story that we may never find out. Maybe there was. Some- yeah, we, do, we did get a little bit from, from David the Observer. He said, uh, Corgan's legal team stated the agreement in the latest loan uh, from Anthem, believed to be for $1.8 million, that Anthem would end up with 85% of the company. Aerolux, uh, the production company, would be 10% owners, and that Jason Brown of Aerolux would take over as CEO and run the day to day operations and receive a three year contract. It was not clear who would own the other 5% of the company, but Carter would make the most sense of course, Dixie Carter, and that uh, they entered into an agreement without his knowledge, even though the loan allowed him to get a 38% ownership in the company. So that's the Billy Corgan part. But it's it's thought that Dixie would get that 5%, but it's not a proven fact that Dixie would get that 5%. So that's that's another interesting thing, too. That could have been a thing where Aerolux and, and Anthem said, hey, let's do this thing and then you know get her out of here. They had the opportunity to probably do yeah, it, Yeah, and too. this brown guy would have been running the company. Exactly, yeah. And, and apparently, uh, according to Dave on the uh, Observer Radio, he said that he kind of is running the day-to-day right now uh, as well. And Dixie Okay, is so they're running – okay, so I see. Like so Dixie and Anthem are running under the assumption, look, we're going to win. So you take the reins now. You make the decisions. Well, this is the Aerolux guy. This is the Aerolux guy who – and I think they still own a percent because oh, they – Oh, wait. So this bailed... brown dude works for Aerolux. He, lo- he works for and, Aerolux. And, he does not work for Anthem. Anthem is yeah. going to name him the CEO. You're correct. Gotcha. Okay, yeah. I was confused. So all right, all right. So yeah, that's – <laughs> it's a mess because yes, Aerolux owns percent and bailed Dixie out multiple times too. So yeah, don't forget about them. They are involved in this in the well, and I think they're just kind of along for the ride, just kind of going wherever it takes them. So. I'm not one of the five people on staff with any sort of connection to law, but just from a layman's looking at all the facts, if he was given thirty, if he was promised thirty eight percent of the company by loaning that money, he should have a say in the sale. I mean, unless there's language in that deal that specifically says. You get 30 or is 36, 38, whatever it's uh, 30. Yeah. Somewhere. I think it's 37.5 or something like that. Yeah. But yeah, unless the language there. specifically says you get 38% ownership by loaning us this money. And, you know, obviously we know until the day we pay you off, then you're out. Cause even he agrees that that was the case. Cause that's the whole crux of this. He's trying to put that off. But if the, if, if the language says that he gets 38% of the company, I think while he's, 
you know, if you know, as long as that's still binding and he hasn't been paid off, I think a thirty-eight percent owner should have some say. I mean, I but but again, I you know, I don't I, I don't know. I it's it's mm-hmm. it's tricky because it's that weird thing where you know if they pay him off before that time, he doesn't get that, and then he just kind of goes away and, and floats away. But and he's saying you can't but pay they can't me your insolvent off without the sale, and and he's exactly he can prevent the sale. Exactly. So it's this weird thing where he's kind of, I mean, he's a, he, he's not being, you know, perfect in this situation. He, he could just as easily have said, but I think he, and that's the thing, the pride thing that comes in a little bit more is him saying, okay, yes, I know I don't, I, I don't own 30, but I don't think they're going to pay me back. They're not solvent. They're not this. He's, he's basically saying this company is a wreck. Yes. Just give it to me because why bother with, you know, this stuff and over he, and over and, and I, over again. I don't think he's scummy at all here. I think, I think he's being pretty honest. I mean, he's he's trying to do the best for everybody, and he's trying to do the best to keep that company alive and for everybody to do that the works best there. For himself, which is fine. I mean, exactly. Yeah, he, yeah. That... He wants the company, and he feels like he can. He is within his rights to stop the sale. I don't see where he's in the wrong here. I really don't. I, I, I'm a hundred percent team fucking pumpkin here because I I feel like he wants it. He's admitting that he wants it. He wants it very badly, and he feels like he has the power to stop the sale, which will prevent yep. him from having it. I, I listen. I don't even think there's any dirty business here from his end. I, I, yeah. I, I'm 100 percent behind him. I think. He- no, I, I'm with you too. I, I just I don't know if the judge and, and Matt doesn't believe either because the judge has no idea. What, you know what I mean? Like this is going in front of some random guy who has no fucking clue what TNA is, what Impact is, what all this stuff stuff is, and might just say, yeah, "Billy, you really don't have any legs in this case." Sorry, like you know, we're we're coming at it from the standpoint of, and I'm 100 percent behind Billy too. I hope he wins this. I hope that he can take over the company and and this deep dark chapter of Dixie Carter and all this stuff is just gone. And he he, I'm sure will have it more stable. I don't know what his plan of attack is. I don't know what he wants to do afterwards. But I just think that he's a guy who at least shows some passion for it so from our standpoint from a wrestling stands uh, wrestling fan standpoint he's absolutely the one that you should be rooting for and the one that you want to win but we got to remember this is just in front of a judge that has no fucking clue and is going to look at this and might just say and that's what matt's argument is and might just say well billy you know you don't really have any legs here and yeah if they give that loan and they pay you out then you're done and you don't have any ownership stakes so from his standpoint that's the that's the really the thing that we really have to look at and, and the whole thing goes down on halloween which is just the most ironic thing ever that the corpse of tna gets decided of <laughs> it lives or dies on on halloween but that's really you know that's going to be the crux of it is you know what this judge thinking if the judge adds some humility and humanity to this thing and goes okay look i see this one guy who seems to have his shit together and i see these people who are just a fucking mess you know, which one do you decide or does he go with just, hey, here's the law, here's this. And and because the clear, I mean, the law is probably on Dixie and Aerolux and, and Anthem's side or whatever. But you really have to, if you had any sort of personal touch to it, if you had any sort of logic into it, then you kind of look and you go, okay, well, Billy is the one that probably should be getting this stuff and should have a say in these sort of things. But it's just, it's it's very, it's very think, weird. And we're I in this, Dixie it's Carter's, because we're in this weird position. Yeah. I think Dixie Carter's family must hate her because... You know, it's not like they owe Corrigan a billion dollars. Why doesn't she just go to her old man, you know, her father, and say, hey, can you just give me a couple bucks to pay this guy, and then I'll just give it right back to you when I sell this fucking company to fight now? You know what I mean? Like, like, why wouldn't her father bail her out here and help her out? Isn't that bizarre to you? Uh, yeah, I think he kind of couldn't she have went to her father and say, can you write Billy Corgan a check? I think I think he's done. I think uh, old Bob, I think he uh, stopped a few years ago and said, you know what, honey? Uh, no, I'm I'm done. Because how much we don't know the total, right? Or is it like one point eight million or something like that? Uh, that's apparently the current quote loan that uh, Anthem would be giving. So I don't know if. Oh, we don't know what Corgan's owed. 
No, we have no. Clue. I would imagine it can't be more than a couple million dollars, and that's. Um, I doubt it. Uh, yeah, I, well, probably... I think, and and people with a little bit more financial background can go uh, kind of dig in that a little bit. But if you believe what WWE's deal was and why they didn't take WWE, that that it's probably somewhere in the six to eight million, I believe, somewhere in that range. Um, uh, no, it's higher it's... than I was thinking. Yeah, and I don't know if that's true. I don't know if that's accurate. I think that's the price that maybe he was trying to buy it off for. I don't know if that's what he owed. I mean, because yeah, he only bought, bailed out what two tapings. Two. two or three tapings, so maybe not even that. So, I, who knows? I he mean, wants it, interest, it, obviously. It's true. So, I, I don't know. Yeah, it's something like six percent or seven percent interest as well. So, I don't know. He, claims um... he keeps jacking up the total, but <laughs> why don't we have contract? Why don't we have paperwork? <laughs> but I would this fucking company. That's like, one area. Oh, he's basically like, what are we doing? That, that's, this is a company. That's one area where he's running a business. He, Jesus fucking Christ! If he's doing that, that's one area where he's wrong. But here's the thing: if there's no language in his deal, that no, then he has every right to do then that. Then he can, then he can hold her over a barrel. Right. So, and, yeah. and I would imagine that there is no language that says that because how? Because he, then he can pull it. So he's just making up his own interest. She's a buffoon. The she's really she's like, a fucking circus clown i have never like in in all of wrestling and we can laugh at the crockets and laugh at you know bischoff and yeah of course like bischoff and wcw they just blew so much money so quickly and all that sort of and yeah, whatever but like i haven't found i i really have not met anybody in my life that it, it's the amount of just utter like you run a business what are you doing she's she, like you have no idea what you're doing at any point hire somebody if you have no idea she might be the most incompetent person ever to run a wrestling company because for 14 years that's the thing because the other what the because fuck? the other incompetent people lasted six months and were smart enough to stop taking money from people and losing and getting deeper in the hole she's been doing this for 14 years she's the most incompetent person to ever run a wrestling company i mean she'll do it for 14 more if she can she would do this for 14 more years <laughs> Isn't it stressful? Don't you hate waking up every day being Dixie? Can you imagine waking up every day and being Dixie Carter? It's, you know, it's, it's no, I mean, she must be a psychopath. Cause she seems to have no sort of like, you know, a, a psychopath, sociopath. I forgot which is which, but she has like no compassion. It, she never seems to change. She just doesn't seem to understand what she's doing and, and the ramifications of what she does and how it affects people and how, you know what I mean? Like she just kind of lives in her own little world and lives literally day by day, night by night, you know, taping by taping. Like it, it, it's insane. Sociopaths have no empathy for people or, or that anyone no and, and they yeah. have no empathy and they actually take some pleasure in uh, putting the screws to people and manipulating um, so I don't know if she's a sociopath, but she certainly doesn't seem that much empathy for, you know, people who she owes money to, especially, you know, the wrestlers and employees and, and production people and things of that nature. So we'll uh, we'll find out on Halloween what happens um, if, if it's Billy Corgan's company or Aerolux and Anthem and Dixie and who the hell knows. So we'll, we'll all uh, all eyes will be on uh, Halloween. But anyway, uh, definitely want to recommend uh, checking out The Observer this week. Dave Meltzer did a fantastic job, which which speaking of, I mean, our, our thoughts go out to him. Uh, his mother, you know, suffered a stroke on Monday. And this guy, this damn guy, like, I, and there are people that still go out there and really, you, you know, will we'll question his passion for the business and question his passion for writing The Observer and what he gives to his customers and the value he gives to his customers. They can go fuck right off. I mean, on Monday, his fucking mother suffered a stroke and he had this observer out just like he would normally have it i think a little bit early and had all the details of this tna lawsuit like that that man is so committed to his work it's unbelievable that people even doubt that for a second it's crazy yeah why did he he should not have done the observer he really should have said fuck you guys i have a lot more to handle than than you know getting your stupid little observer out this week and he did and that that man like never questioned his passion for what he does never Never. was last week he took off 
Never. Yeah, his mother. I mean, imagine that, Joe. I, I'll be honest. If my mom suffered a stroke, I'm probably not doing this podcast for quite a few weeks. You know, I'm not. I'm not in the mood to come on here and talk to you about wrestling. I'm just not. Man, I hear you. I, it, and he shouldn't be either. Like he really should have done. But and that's just the passion that he has for this. So even anybody that doubts what he does and the value that he brings and all that sort of stuff, they're they're absolutely out, out to lunch. They're absolute idiots because this week proved just what that guy will will, will do for his customers, and and that's. Uh, but I think he did a great job with the Observer as well. It was a really good issue too. So he's got that workaholic gene that some people have, and I certainly don't have it. Um, but there's a lot of people who just they just fucking love to work, you know. And if you and if you're lucky enough to also do something that you're interested in, you have a passion for, it, and that's your job. I mean, he just, you know, to him, he brought it probably was beneficial to him. To yeah. Work. It's cathartic. Yeah. Maybe for him to get down, you know, to not think about that for a little yeah. bit and, you know, get on his little CRT monitor and type out the observer. Right. Yeah. I absolutely do believe that. Yeah. You know, so, and, and for just, to just take three hours to write his little newsletter and, and not have to think about his mom for a while. I mean, that's, you know, probably how, unfortunately he had to think about TNA, which I <laughs> might've been worse than he had to think of all the, like, imagine that, like you're like, you're, you're get away from all that and, and, and the stuff going on with his mother and stuff is writing about the the litigation between Dixie Carter and, and Billy Corgan and Anthem. And, you and know what I mean? just from like, an energy perspective, I mean, spending <laughs> all that time in a hospital with someone that close to you, and then having the energy as a near 60-year-old man, he's no spring chicken either, okay? He's not 20 years old. Yeah, don't, don't let the physique fool yeah, you. Yeah, I mean, and then to, to have the, <laughs> the energy to sit down, Rich, there's times I sit down to do a 1,200-word New Japan review, and I'm like, fuck this shit. And I, and I, and, and I woke up at noon. You know what I mean? It's like right. the energy just to, go, to, to leave the – and then just bang out a fucking 40,000-word observer. I mean, yeah, I just I, – I, I, will, I will never know that kind of passion. That's, it's, it's wild. So he, he did a great job in the Observer this week, and, and if, if you're not a subscriber, this is definitely a week to be a subscriber and definitely read the Observer because I think he just went into crazy detail and, and lets you know everything you need to know about the, this entire lawsuit and a bunch of other stuff going on in the world of wrestling. Also, Matt McLean uh, at VoicesWrestling.com did a great job, uh, kind of a layman's overview of what's kind of going on from his standpoint as a lawyer of, of kind of trying to tackle all of it. So definitely check those two out uh, to get an idea of what's going on, and, and we'll find out in Halloween what, uh, what ends up happening. So... Uh, move on to the next big news that kind of came out in the wrestling world this past week. Flow Slam. Joe, what do we know about Flow Slam and Flow Sports? This was a, like the worst kept secret in wrestling. And that was it was it was uh, this past Monday was maybe the most miserable day to be on wrestling Twitter in the history of wrestling. I signed Twitter. up. Yeah, I, I had to go. Away. I mean, people couldn't have been more annoying. Um, look, it's you, it's like I said, it was the worst kept secret in wrestling. I mean, Rich, <laughs> we knew about this in fucking May. Or whatever it was, I don't know exactly what the date was. When were we involved in this? Probably, so, yeah, somewhere in the, the early summer for sure. I don't know if it was spring, May, early July, summer. Yeah, it, it was late spring, early summer that we had where, we had rumble where we knew something was cooking. Yeah, okay, uh, you know where we had direct contact with people involved in flow, uh, and, you know, just kicking ideas around with us, advice, uh, I, you know, things of that nature. Um, you know, we knew who they were going after. Um, you know, we found out for sure who they had landed probably, I don't know, a, a week before uh, or a couple days before at minimum. Um, so and and I mean, it's like everyone knew, but it's just, you know, this weird thing where people just don't want to say it, you know, and, and it's like, um, I suppose we were guilty, too. But we weren't. Yeah, we, we weren't were. the ones running out there, though, saying 
haha, we have a secret either, though. I mean, we kind of just laid low the whole day on it. Um, and I think your tweet that really didn't resonate as much as it probably should have, and <laughs> it, it definitely rang true on Monday, is saying that everybody is, is hinting at big news. And yes, it is big news to a small segment of the wrestling world. It's not that big and everyone's going to be disappointed. It's one of those things. We, we, we do that often where we think everything is big because in our little circle, it is big. And, and this, this is big for us and, and, and for a lot of people that, that you know, follow the show and a lot of people that we interact with on Twitter and Facebook and on our forums and all that sort of stuff. But to the larger Joe wrestling fan, this wasn't, this was, this not, is not, this, a, this is not a big story. Yeah. This is not a big story to uh, what Larry likes to call your gen pop wrestling fan. It's just, no, just yeah, not, they don't it's care. not a big story. So when you have like Wade it's, Keller going like, Oh, many lives will change tomorrow. And it's like, okay, you know, all right. Like, will, but to, to the he's not fan, wrong, but don't say that. Yeah. Joe, Joe, you know, Joe wrestling fan doesn't you know, think that that's true. The guy that turns so. on raw. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. He doesn't yeah. Care. I mean, it, this is, this is a non story to a guy like that. This is a big story to the nerd, to nerds like us who follow the inner working workings of wrestling and to the dorks that listen to this show. It's not a big story. We do love you, dorks, though. But oh, I just call, I, look. Listening. I called our I called ourselves nerds, though. So mm-hmm. you know, the, like they, I think dorks worse though. Dorks, uh, dorks. Worse, it is worse. But... We're better than them. But well, that's true. No, but, but thank you for listening. Record shows the past few weeks. Here's, here's <laughs> yeah. Last that was the big news. I mean, <laughs> that, like... record numbers last week. Thank you, dorks. Um, no, but I mean, they they get what I'm <laughs> saying here. It's like no. For the type of person who's going to listen to this show and the type of person who's going to spend three hours a week producing one of these shows, uh, yeah, it's really big news because it, it does – it changes a lot of things behind the scenes. I mean uh, there's a lot of money being thrown around by Flo, um, money that, that would surprise a lot of people um, in, in terms of and, – and that money is going to roll downhill. I mean this is going to be good for wrestlers, and this is going to be good for um, – the independent scene that not too long ago people were writing off for dead because these independent promotions that get some of this flow dollars. Okay. You get some of this flow cash going. You can, you can then make better offers to wrestlers. You can pay the wrestlers more money when WWE comes knocking on the door of hot indie name, you know, number five. Okay. You know, maybe you know, if he's making more money doing the independent thing for Gabe Sapolsky or whoever, whoever the case may be, uh, he might turn down a WWE offer because he might prefer the freedom of the indie lifestyle. And now the money's comparable. So this, this can change things in terms of behind the scenes. It certainly will change things behind the scenes. It's going to provide another outlet for people to consume wrestling. Uh, this is bigger behind the scenes news. This is bigger news behind the curtain. Than it is in front of the curtain. And when you're teasing, oh, huge story, gigantic industry changing thing, people are instantly thinking whenever you do that. And I learned this the hard way around WrestleMania weekend. Okay. If you, if you tease something like that, people instantly think it's a WWE story. That's, that's what they instantly go to. And when it's not, if it's not something that's going to affect Monday night, raw, it's going to come off as a letdown. And there's no question that this came off as a letdown to a large number of people and the people who it wasn't a lot, the people who do think that this is a major story already fucking knew everyone knew this was getting passed around the old DM pipeline since fucking April or whatever the fuck. We definitely heard about it in the spring. Okay. And, and if, if we heard about it, you know, I'm not saying we're hot shots. If we were in on it, everyone was in on it. Okay? I, this, <laughs> right. I'm not trying to say that we were special. 
Okay, um, it, 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 people found out about it. Then there were people who knew before us, that's for sure, and there were probably people who find out who found out not long after us. Okay, and we just kept our dumb mouths shut because, believe it or not, and I know people don't believe this, we keep our dumb mouths shut on a lot of things because it's just not fucking worth it. Um, you know, but but I mean, yes. Yeah, so this was big news to people who already knew it was happening, and it really isn't big news. Look, twenty bucks a month. Okay, and what do you get? You get WWN Live, you get Ring of Honor. Did they announce Ring of Honor yet? They have not written uh, as as of right now. All we know is WWN Live. All right, well, so all we know, we know it's Ring of Honor. I mean, enough already. Okay, can somebody <laughs> just open their? What's the big deal? The whole world knows that they bought that they did that they Ring of Honor's involved people. Okay, first of all, half the people listening to this know already. Uh, and the other half, uh, uh, spoiler alert, they, it, Ring of Honor is involved too, okay? They were supposed to name them like the next day or something, but they didn't. But if you go on their website, they're already advertising Final Battle. So, I mean, it, it's like, you know, what the fuck is the big secret? Now, from Flo's point of view, I could see because it's, all right, you want to spread out the news to stay in the news. I understand that. You know what I mean? So you announce one now, you announce one next week, and, and you, you keep yourself in the news, and you keep yourself relevant. You keep yourself on the top of the page, so to speak, on all the news sites and whatnot. So I understand that. But um, I, you know, it looks like Ring of Honor is going to be part of this thing. We were told Ring of Honor is no longer on their schedule. They have taken it off. They the took schedule, it off. So, all right, yes. so that might change. They had, f- or or they yanked it off of there because they didn't want people putting it. Yeah, it could be one or the other. So, so who knows what's happening? All I know is at one point Ring of Honor was in. We were told Ring of Honor was in, and then when they rolled out their website, it said Final Battle is live here on Flow Sports. So make of that what you will. If they yanked Ring of Honor. Uh, then, then it's possible something changed, or it's possible they're just tired of, or, or they don't want people speculating, or maybe people from the Ring of Honor side are upset about that and saying, "Hey, look, we had a deal. We're not supposed to announce this until X amount of date." There's a million reasons why maybe they have pulled that information down. But yeah, and and, and like Dave reported in the Observer, they're going after every company that isn't WWE. So um, you know, they're, they're and supposedly. Um, I don't know if I got it from Dave. I, I get all my shit mixed up. Did, was it someone who told us that New Japan turned him down, or was it Dave that flat out said that? Um, Dave said that they were – I think he mentioned that that was a company that would have been of interest, but then we heard from someone else. Uh, I don't recall who that, that New Japan turned him down, which which makes all the sense in the world. New Japan does not need them um, in any way, shape, or form. And they, they just had a record yeah. fiscal year. Yeah, they're good. And, you know, they get their 8,000 international subscribers through New Japan World, and obviously they'd want more, but I don't think that getting on this network or, or giving them this stuff is really going to change anything. They, they have a pretty, pretty clear business model of how to attract American audiences to New Japan World or whatever, and I, I don't know that coming on Flow is really going to change it. So it, they have no need for it. I don't know if it's the it, best so. business model to attract American fans to New Japan, but they have a business model. Um, uh, they have a television show that doesn't advertise their, their streaming service, which is bizarre. Uh, they only have 8,000 non-Japanese subscribers, which isn't a significant number. Um, if Flow Sports is going to throw them an enormous amount of cash, it probably wouldn't be the worst idea, maybe short term. But I think New Japan just wants to control their own shit. You know, sure. I, I, it could be a situation where he doesn't want to give up his content. You know, as Kadani has a big picture vision and he's going to stick to it. Um, I could totally see why he would reject it. Um, you know, but there, there's, you know, and, and I'm sure that there's many indie companies who are going to flow, especially if the amount of money that Sapolsky, that WWN got is working its way through the pipeline, which we, you know, we all know it's going to eventually, if it hasn't already a lot of like, if you're, and I'm just throwing random promotions out there. I'm, I, 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 prom- <laughs> I already have the Reddit post ready. Joe. I, okay. I promise you-, you that the following st- I'm just, you know, <laughs> can you, okay. I, I got it ready. So just, uh, can you go slowly when you. <laughs> the promotions so i can 
I can make sure I type them I'm all out. I'm not even going to say so. real ones. Can we just avoid it completely? Can I make up <laughs> letters? Okay. If you can, but yeah, maybe like hit towards what promotion it is, but uh, or yeah, make up, make up. Yeah, I think that's probably the best because we will. Yeah. How about I just use ridiculous examples so people don't even. Uh, Perfect. All right. So if I'm NWA Tahoma, or if I'm NWA Top of Texas, or if I'm NWA 360, or if I'm whoever, if I'm, uh, you know, name one in, in your neck of the woods, Rich, someone. Insanity, or what was it? What was the Milwaukee one? Yeah, if you, uh, Insanity. Yeah, okay. I'll um, I, I, I tell you what. I'm making a phone call to someone at Flow, and I'm saying, hey, let me get some of these Flow dollars. Are you guys interested in what we got to bring to the table? There's no reason not to. You know, the thing about your smaller independent promotions and even your larger. Oh, we know PWG turned them down, too. We do know that's for a fact. Yes. And actually, I think it's smart on their behalf. Uh, look, the thing with PWG is, yeah, it would make their product more accessible. But the fact of the matter is they wouldn't be able to use half their talent if they if they uh, went to streaming. So I understand why they turned it down, too. So to me, it makes sense that New Japan and PWG turned it down. OK, but the thing with a lot of these indie promotions and why it's advantageous to them. Let me tell you something. When we first, uh, you know, discussed this with Flo many months ago, um, myself and Rich, we went and kicked the tires with some independent promoters that we are friendly with. And I passed along, and I, and I was vague about it. I didn't give them specific details. I just told them there was stuff cooking. I didn't tell them who. I said, would it be of interest of you? Would you sell, potentially sell your library to someone who, you know, sell your rights either for X amount of time or for infinity, whatever the case may be, of your library. And half of the, you know, not half, almost all of the promoters that I spoke to before I even finished my sentence, absolutely. Well, how much are they? How much are they offering? Because these tape libraries for these indie companies, Rich, are not worth anything. Okay, if you're, and I'm going to use another random example. If you're <laughs> NWA top of Texas, okay. And I have no idea if they have DVDs. Maybe they do. Maybe they don't. I'm not, I don't even know. But let's say NWA Top of Texas, and they run weekly, I think. Let's say they have DVDs of all their old shows. How many DVDs you think they're pushing of their April 1st, 2012 show? Yeah. <laughs> the answer is zero. They're not making money yeah, off of this Nobody's shit. buying them. Okay. And, and, and if you think it's different for the bigger indies, I mean, even look at your AAWs, your CZWs. Who, AAW sells MP3s and DVDs, right? Um, uh, who are some of the bigger companies that sell DVDs aside from PWG? Um, or, I know a lot of them do, but I don't know how many people still like because AW can buy DVDs too. I think show. like AIW uh, does pretty well, I think. But yeah, I mean, there's companies that do. I mean, they, a lot of them will still sell the DVD, so my, but yeah. So my point is whether it's DVDs or even or, or even digital, uh, you know. They're not selling – you know what? Sh they're selling their most recent shows. And then when that show cycle is over, they're not selling sig significant numbers or copies of their shows from five years ago, three years ago, two years ago, or Rich, even six months ago. Those – they're just – it's just dead footage generating zero income. I'm telling you right now, these indie promoters would sell these libraries for fucking pennies. And I know it because I've talked to them. It's worth nothing. It's worth nothing beyond that first month. And for some of these places, it's not even worth much then. I mean, I talked to a couple of guys who run some, some indies that people listening to this will have heard of and, and have decent reputations. They're like, I don't sell any fucking DVDs anymore. Are you kidding me? I sold 12 DVDs on my last show, and we thought it was a great show. I mean, they, they don't sell any. People aren't buying the shit. It's not worth anything. So, you know, they're probably lining up around the block to push this, to, to, to get Flo to buy into this, to, to buy this footage. I don't think they're going to have any problem building up a significant library of promotions. They're going to have a problem building up a significant library of 
relevant promotions that are going to entice people to plunk down $20 a month when the price point has been established by the industry leader to be $9.99 a month, okay, you really need to have an impressive package to convince people to pay 20 That's going to be their problem, okay? If, uh, WWN is a great start. Ring of Honor, if it, if it, if it does happen, which, I, I, which may, you know, I, I think it's going, I mean, that would be a great one as well. But I really think PWG would have been important. I think New Japan would have been important. I think they really need to go hard after Europe. Um, uh, uh, particularly progress and particularly rev pro. I think they need, and I think, uh, if, if they were to land, uh, I think, uh, CMLL would be a big one. And then after that, anything they get, I don't think people are specifically going to buy, uh, for promotions other than the ones I just named. I might be forgetting maybe one or two, anything else you get mm-hmm. is just going to be filler. So, and, and will come very cheap. Uh, just based on conversations I had and knowing what this stuff is realistically worth um, unless flow. Now look, flow has a lot of disposal. They have a lot of money. They're throwing a lot of money around. They're making crazy money offers to not only indie promoters or, uh, and, and, and wrestling promotions, but to people around the wrestling media uh, sphere um, names that would surprise a lot of people that they've tried to bring on board in terms of just being part of their, you know, you know, their, their, their editorial team, their writing staff. Um, they're backed by a lot of money and they're throwing that money around uh, And, and, oh, by the way, the other wrinkle to this story, WWE has a minority stake in this. And uh, you know, my, my thing was, look, if, if WWN sold their library and the rights to their shows to this company, they did not do it without running it past WWE first, considering the relationship that they have. And we came to find out that uh, WWE actually pushed them to Flow Sports. That tells us two things. Well, it tells us one thing for sure. And I want to know if you agree with this. Because mm-hmm. I've been talking for like 10 minutes. No, you're good. But I want your take on this. Yeah, absolutely. This tells me one thing for sure. One, WWE was either blindsided by this, which I find hard to believe since they have money in the game. They have money in the pot. Okay. Or the more likely scenario to me is WWE does not have plans anytime soon to start adding indie content. And, and the survey that they sent out a few weeks ago was just, uh, was just that it wasn't a serious attempt because if they had serious designs on truly adding non WWE content to the network, they would have told Gabe, don't do this. We'll put you on our network. Right. Do you agree with that? Uh, yeah, I, I think it's the latter. And I think maybe the idea, because people are sort of saying, oh, maybe the questionnaire was just kind of a red herring. They would. Th- there's a possibility, too. They sent that questionnaire out, and they got 10 responses that said, yeah, I want to see Evolve, or yeah, I want to see that. And, and the rest of the responses said, I don't care. I want new documentaries. I want new Holy Foley episodes. You know what I mean? Like, there's a possibility that that came about, too. I'm sure that they, that was, if, if anything, it more or less sort of, it more or less confirmed what they thought that, Hey, people aren't really going to buy this network because we have this, this, and this on it. They're not going to buy it because we have evolve on there. It, for them. I just don't know that that was a worthy investment in, in any level for them because the majority of their fans, again, we have to remember that we're in the circle. We're the nerds. We're the geeks. Like you said, the, the dorks that love this stuff. There are Joe wrestling fan does not give a shit about Matt Riddell. Sorry. Like we love him. We think he's great. We've watched evolve 70 and evolve 71. And oh, cool. You know, this one's showing live, but Joe wrestling fan doesn't give a shit. Joe wrestling fan does not want to watch that. Wrestling fan wants to watch Monday Night Raw. He wants to watch SmackDown. Sometimes he wants to watch the pay per view, and he'll watch like you know, documentaries and 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 you know stuff on on Goldberg and that sort of stuff. But he doesn't care about 
you know, Evolve 71. He doesn't care about the, the VODs of, of Dragon Gate USA. He's not going to go back on there and, and oh, Akira Tozawa versus, you know, Shima on, on some Dragon Gate USA show. He doesn't care about that stuff. So it's possible that the questionnaire was a thing to say, okay, are, are we right in our thoughts that they don't care, that this is not a worthy investment? Or is it a possibility they sent those questionnaires out and were shocked and said, oh, geez, nobody cares. Well, then screw it. Yeah, Gabe, go ahead. Knock yourself out. Go with flow. The problem you know, is... This is the litmus test. The problem, yeah. though, is the wheels were in motion for all this long before they sent out that stupid Right, survey. right, exactly. And they, so it, 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 it could have been a and, thing. And you would think they would have been privy to it since they have money in the game. Sure. So there, there's a lot of different... You know, that that's sort of the... To me, to me, the most interesting part of this story is WWE's financial stake and involvement in Flow Sports. Um, because you can make the argument maybe the survey was because it was not necessarily um but but see the survey specifically gave network tiers wwe network tiers yeah so you can't even say that maybe the survey was them farming for information for flow because it had network tiers on they had no it was farming for information for them i think more than anything i mean it had to be so that's why i'm of the belief that they're not super serious about it because if Gabe, first of all, they knew the wheels were in motion, or we have to assume that they were. It's hard for me to believe that they didn't know. And even if they didn't know, they became aware when Gabe came to them. Okay, and from what we're, uh, from what I understand, Gabe may have it may have been a situation where they went to Gabe. I'm not clear on that. All I know is they told Gabe, "Go do it." I don't know. If right. They went came to Gabe and said, "Look, we're go do this flow sport," or if flow sports came to Gabe and then Gabe went to them. Which, you know, if it, I'm sure Gabe is smart enough, to, if someone with the relationship he has with WWE to immediately, he's not going to compromise. That. I mean, I saw people being like, "Oh, he went behind his back." Gabe, not a Gabe, no, there's zero percent chance that Gabe said, "Screw you, WWE, I'm going on my own." Like that guy loves the fact that he's got WWE. And not only uh, that, that why, and not only that, yeah, why not leverage him against each other? Bingo. Yeah, yeah exactly. From a business perspective, he'd be a fool not to. Let alone loyalty. I, you know, it's like it's 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 a great ally to have that you don't want to burn, but it's also leverage. It's also, hey, look, here's an offer. I'll put it on your network. Just give me a dollar more. You know what I mean? It's like it's so there's no way. So, you know, and, and they told him to do it. So I, I don't think you're going to see non WWE content on the network. I, I not any time. I just I don't see it. They would have they would have taken on WWN. I mean, why not? Unless they unless they part of their uh, you know investment strategy with Flow is uh, maybe they're using Flow as some sort of guinea pig. See, how- that's my thought. Yeah, I, I I I honestly that's my biggest thought. And that if if they find that Flow is is successful or they find that Flow in a second they can you know snap their fingers and WWN Live is on WWE Network. You know what I mean? Like I, I don't know what the contracts are. I don't know the deep down stuff of that. But I, I really do think that it it is more of a guinea pig of hey, let's try this out. Let's see how this works. Let's see how an indie wrestling network um you know that really has backing how it does uh, does it do well you know is there a market for that i we'll see like you know I, i'm sure from WWE standpoint they look at it and go you know it's a negligible market it doesn't matter for us it's 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 cute and it's fun to have a few of these you, you know niche people kind of jump in and, and pay you know x amount per month or whatever get on that tier or whatever but is it really worth all this time and all this investment and all this you know uh, of digitizing this stuff and taking out the music and cleaning up audio and and blurring stuff is it worth all that if it's just a few you know a thousand people doing it so i i'm guessing that yeah that is a thing where they're going to say hey flow you know you guys have the money you have the backing let's see how you guys do it and if it works okay then we'll we'll figure out what we're going to do later 
but we're not going to jump. We're not going to dive head first in this. We're going to let you take the first plunge and see how you do. And then when we want, we're WWE, we're the big guys in town. We can decide what we want to do afterwards. We'll let you dictate the market and dictate what's going to kind of happen. And then if the market is good, then we'll jump in and, and, and do what we need to do. But yeah, I, I absolutely, because it makes sense from their standpoint. Imagine, I mean, that's, it's a huge undertaking. I mean, people just kind of think that you, you, you know, you snap your fingers and all of the WWE library is on, you know, WWE network. That's not easy. And another thing too, that we know from WWE is, and let's be honest, I love evolve, but their shit looks awful. And WWE hates, you know, you know what I mean? Like there's shows that I'm sure that they, 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 they cringe over WCW shows that they had to put on those networks and they had to clean up and they had to do, they don't do anything half-assed. Everything that they do looks polished and looks great. Imagine those, remember those Evolve shows that were in like some Chinese woman's backyard as she was doing like laundry? Oh, the ones. Those ones in Brooklyn? Yeah, yeah, where there were literally people out on their balconies pounding out like rugs. <laughs> like, and... like that's going to be on the network. Like, you know, we laugh about ECW. Gargano and Swan like fought in the dark. You couldn't. <laughs> right. With the street fight. I mean, those were the worst shows. I mean, they were terrible shows. Uh, but yeah. I mean, that stuff, I mean, let's be honest. WWE doesn't, I mean. I'm sure there's reservations there of that sort of the quality of the stuff kind of sucks. Like, do they really want that on their network? Even if it's on another tier, I think there's that fear that, you know, Joe wrestling fans stumbles upon it and goes, what the hell is this? It looks, looks like crap. I'm out of here. I'm not going to watch that. And, that. and that's a fear that they have, I think, to an extent. I don't know how big of a deal that is. And I think you can you can sort of push it off to a certain part of the network where people won't kind of jump in or won't really do it. But I think more than anything, it's just a huge undertaking to do that. And why not see? Well, you're if putting it, it on first. the higher tiers was the plan. Right. But but still. And it's like, um. But you're right, and and they remaster everything that they put on there. Uh, believe it or not, some of that early ECW is remastered footage. It's amazing. Uh, but yeah, so it's it's it, you're right. Some of it. Look, the bottom line is this: I'm not sure, even with elevated tiers to make up the difference, that um, it would have been advantageous to them financially to go out and buy all these libraries because. I'm really not sure these libraries are popular enough to where they're going to get uh, enough return on their investment for them. Um, at least not for something like th- now. See, there's another advantage to having WWN on the network though, because that's where you're getting your next wave of stars and your next wave sure. of wrestlers. So you're exposing them to your audience before they're even part of your company. And hopefully they're getting over, but, but you also have to remember that the big man in charge of that company is always weird about stuff like that. He wants to get people over his way. So to him, where me and you would say logically, and maybe even someone like Triple H would say logically, isn't it a good idea to get Fred Yehi on our network now since he's going to be wor- – or Matt Riddle or whoever, okay – is, wouldn't it be a good idea to get him on our network now, expose him to our fans, let him get a bit of a following, let him get over now a little bit, okay? And then when we bring him on, he'll be a known commodity. See, that makes sense to me, you, Triple H, and whoever. That might that, – see, someone like, like Vince McMahon, I could easily see him thinking that's a negative. Yeah. I don't want my fans seeing Matt Riddle right now. I want to see my fan. I want my fans seeing After Matt Riddle I mold him. when I present Matt Riddle the way right. I want to present him. Mm-hmm. I don't want that other Matt Riddle in because that's the way he's done it for years. Every you know that was a major frustration among hardcore fans for years when he would bring in guys from territories or from or from WCW and completely change them and 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 fit them in his. I'm not telling anybody nothing they don't know. You know they know the point I'm making here. So. Uh, you know, even that advantage to where, okay, maybe putting, maybe investing in WWN and putting them on the network, even though we know it'll be kind of, 
uh, a money loser from a financial perspective. It'll have advantages in other ways. I'm not sure the guy in charge sees it that way. Sure. Yeah. Like a prospect thing. We see that in sports now. It's, it's kind of growing ever uh, so much, you know, MLB prospects, people weigh into that now. So they're showing minor league games on TV and they're, you know, showing the draft live NBA, you know, D league is showing their stuff. And to us, there's, there's a subset of nerdy fans that really enjoy that of seeing the next crop of guys, but yeah, wrestling, you know, that yes, it makes sense on its face that that would be a thing that would be an asset. But again, yeah, you're, you're talking about the big guy there. That, that's not the way he does business and he's never has done business and he's not going to do business that way. I mean, look at Monday night raw for evidence that he doesn't do business that way. So for, look at what he's done to Kevin Owens and Bailey. Bailey got a boring chant this Monday. She was in a segment and there was a boring I, chant. Can you imagine NXT Bailey? I mean, the, it, it, even in, even within his own company, he doesn't keep the things I, around. Excellent point. I mean, God, you just nailed it. I mean, TJ Perkins, how we let off the show with TJ Perkins about a month and a half ago after he, how great did he look coming out of that Cruiserweight Classic final? That guy looked like a next major star. He goes to Raw, and he, he, this whole video game thing has completely sucked <laughs> all of the juice out of him. Oh, don't have a cow, man. Come on. <laughs> it's embarrassing. Slow down. It's so embarrassing. Press press reset, dude. I mean, what is going on with TJ Perkins? <laughs> and the best part is, okay, so we look at we look at the the, the Cruiserweight Classic, and, and so what all you know what led to it or whatever. TJ Perkins plays subtle, you know, heel. Um, you know, and that's kind of what really propels him up and gives him a little bit more of an edge. And Brian Kendrick is the super uber baby face that's doing this for his life. And, and when they come to the main roster, TJ Perkins is a video game loving nerd and, and geek Bart Simpson cosplay thing. And Brian Kendrick's a mega heel. That's kind of a dickhead. You know what I mean? Like it's not even they did months ago. This is two a month and a half ago, two months ago. They had these stories, right? In their own company. Like you said, I mean, you couldn't have said it any better. Forget people from outside the company, you know? And you think he's going to have Matt Riddell be the exact same way he was in, in WN and go, oh, tell them to watch him on Evolve 71. You know, No, they're not going to do I mean, that. Even, and I mean, he, he might, but the point is he's going to – he wants to – he doesn't – you know, it's almost as if he resents NXT in a way and, and by the way that, that, that they, you know, they can't even care. I mean, what did you need – did TJ Perkins not get over on his own in that Cruiserweight Classic like to a tremendous degree? It's amazing. And you're right. They completely flipped those things around. And now he's got like this childlike character. He's like two years younger than Brian Kendrick. That's the other thing. <laughs> like, they're not even, like they, these are both men in their 30s. I mean, you know, it's like it's not even like they're basic. Does TJ Perkins even play video games? I'll be honest. I followed that guy for many years on, on Twitter. I, does he play that many video games? I think – no, I think he is a video game player. Is he okay? He is. He's legitimate, and I think that may. But does he only play games from 1984? Because that's what Vince thinks. Like Vince doesn't know that any game. Like he thinks every video game is Nintendo, and that's why he really like... does. Because what games these days where you, do you get an extra life? I mean, it's <laughs> yeah, is... like extra lives and continues and game over, dude, and press reset. Like none of these things exist in modern video games. None of these things exist. Uh, like... uh, you get extra lives in No Man's Sky. Does that happen? I don't. I... In your mind, does Flow Slam have a business model, or, or, or do you think Flow Slam? is going to be competitive in a year's time. Are we going to be, you know, talking about flow slam being a successful company or, or do you think it, it might go by the wayside? Well, let's think about who would pay $20 a month. Let's run under the assumption that they have ROH as well. Let's just okay. for the sake of this argument. Let's. So we're going to give, we're going to say ROH and WWE. Right. Live. Let's say they're rolling out with those two companies and ROH library all the way yeah, back. Yeah. Or... Let's throw it in. Okay. Okay. We'll throw in the ROH library. We'll throw in – we know that it's the entire WWN library, okay? So let's run under the assumption they have those two companies, and that's what they're rolling out. What you have to think about 
is who is going to be willing to spend 20 bucks a month on that. Joe wrestling fan is not going to spend 20 bucks a month on that. You could eliminate him right from the equation. Um, somebody who buys every WW, every evolve show is going to do this because it's going to be cheaper than what they were doing before. That person right. is going to buy this. If you're an ROH fan who buys every ROH pay-per-view and selectively chooses the random ass house shows that look enticing to you on the current ROH video on demand service, you're going to buy this because it's going to be cheaper for you. Uh, now let me talk about me and then I'm going to pose the same question to you. I have WWE network and new Japan world on auto pay. And I'm, if they exist, I'm going to pay for them. That that's where I stand with those two services. So I'm already paying about $20 a month, give or take a couple bucks, depending on exchange rates for two wrestling services. I occasionally pay for other wrestling services if I want to watch a show or two somewhere, whether it be your your, uh, your demand progresses, your whatever the case may be. I, I will buy them for a month at a time. I'll take advantage of specials or whatnot. But I, I, WWE Network and New Japan World, auto pay, if they exist, I'm going to, for as long as they exist, I'm going to be paying for them because I, I get my money back tenfold from both of those services. Am I someone who's going to pay $20 a month for WWN Live and ROH being a big enough wrestling fan where I have a three-hour wrestling podcast, own a wrestling website, uh, an enormous part of my life is wrestling. Rich, I can tell you, I don't think I'm buying this thing. Um, I buy the occasional Evolve show. I buy the occasional Ring of Honor show. I don't think, and, and I'll tell you, the WWN library is very enticing to me. I would love to be able to go back and watch Dragon Gate USA start to finish. I would love to go back and watch early Evolve. Um, Full Impact Pro, Shine, no interest. I probably wouldn't watch that stuff if I paid for the service. I'll be completely honest. If I buy the service and there's an FIP show, I'm probably not going to watch it. Unless I have absolutely nothing to do. <laughs> right. And even then I might try to find something else to do. And that's no that's nothing on FIT, no. but I've just watched so much wrestling this yes. week that I really don't feel like filling another three hours of my life with full impact exactly. pro. So I I, yeah. I am right on the brink of wrestling burnout as it is between all the wrestling that I want to keep up with, the wrestling I'm I have to keep up with for this show. I don't need to add dusty ass indies like FIP to the t- I just can't do it anymore. So it's, it's overload. I probably wouldn't even watch it. Um so I don't know, Rich. Me? I don't think I'm going to buy this thing. And that is where I'm concerned. Because if Joel Lanza is looking at this and going, eh, I don't know. I don't think I'm, 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 I'm into this. There's a lot of people like me who are super hardcore wrestling fans who are probably thinking the same thing. And there's a lot of people who aren't quite as hardcore as me who I have to presume aren't buying it either. Where do you stand? I'm of the mindset that, yeah, assuming that we get, say we get the entire Ring of Honor back catalog and we get, you know, of course, the entire WN Live catalog, which we know are the, uh, um, you know, the back catalog of WN Live. Um, with those two things in mind, I think initially when that comes out and if it rolls out and immediately of, hey, okay, here's all the Ring of Honor stuff, here's the entire Ring of Honor tape library as far back as 2002 or whatever, I'm absolutely paying the 20 bucks for a few months. I don't know that I'm keeping it though. I think that's the biggest thing that gets me is, you know, as much as I, I enjoy doing live and I enjoy, enjoy involve or whatever, what I've been doing lately. And, and what I'm kind of happy with doing is 
letting other people buy the show. I, I don't watch the shows live all that often. It, it, Fridays and Saturdays, I'm, I'm rarely, if ever, just like ready to sit at my at, at my house and on my couch and watch wrestling. In the winter, a little bit of a different story. I'll do it a few more times. But during the summer and the spring, and and even a little bit, you know, in the fall, I I just don't I don't do that. What I will do though is on a Sunday or whatever, if somebody says, "Hey, Evolve seventy one was great. You should definitely watch it." I will go and buy that show. But I don't watch every single Evolve show. I I will I will pick and choose. If one is hyped, if there's a match on something that someone says you absolutely have to watch this, it's a, it's a must watch match, then I will go and then I will watch it. So you're not spending I, you're not spending twenty dollars a month currently on WWN plus ROH. No, I'm maybe spending fourteen um, on certain months. WrestleMania weekend is one where I, I, I spend, you know, fifty or whatever the hell it is to buy all, oh, I'd all buy the WWN it that live stuff. Sure. I mean that's a Absolutely. Investment. No, there there's gonna be pick and choose months, and I think that's gonna be the biggest thing. Whereas WWE Network, I it, like you said, I'm on the auto pay, New Japan World, I'm on the auto pay. That's the thing that I, I just know if on any given day that I'm going to turn that on and I'm going to use it and I'm going to get some value out of it if I want. On every Sunday that there's a WWE pay-per-view, you know, running this website, I'm going to watch it. And even if I wasn't running this website, it's still that's kind of the part of my life is, is watching, you know, WWE pay-per-views on Sundays or whatever. New Japan World, the same deal. I would be watching that every week. I don't get into the, the, the catalog of New Japan World as much as I probably should, but the live show is enough, uh, you know, pay for that, you know, you know more than enough. It, it, watching a Wrestle Kingdom, watching a Power Struggle, that sort of stuff, that more than enough pays for it. This one, the flow, you know, it's going to depend on the guys they get. Well, see, but oh, hold on, I'll let you finish. But same situation because previously on Ustream we were paying twenty twenty five bucks for those New Japan shows. Yeah, right, So right. when New Japan World got rolled out, it became a money saver to invest to invest in New Japan World, and the and the the video library is just a bonus. But yeah, go ahead. Absolutely, and and that's so. My standpoint is, you know, the live stuff. Yeah, that would be cool, but I don't know if it's that much of a value for me. I'm a person that will pick and choose. I do that with Ring of Honor shows as well. I don't watch every single Ring of Honor show. We try to watch and we try to cover as many of them as we we can. But for me, it's really going to be that tape library. And the problem that that always comes with those tape libraries is remember when WWE Network rolled out and people were going nuts, discovering new stuff. I found this. Halloween Havoc 90 this. You know, watch this. Oh, my God. Beach Bash, you know, 92. Let's watch this. Let's do this together. Oh, my God. The Saturday night's on here. Oh, my God. You know, all these things were on there. And every time they add something new people go nuts for it for about a week and then it dies out and then nobody talks about it. how many people are talking about the 605 shows anymore remember when that was just the fucking craze of the, we did it here. the week we, we, yeah it, it was nuts we people were going absolutely apeshit we had an entire like half of our show was the, devoted to you and i watching those 605s in 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 row uh, you know of watching them and talking about them and reacting to them or whatever and I, i'll be honest i haven't watched one of those in months you know, I will still from time to time jump into that catalog and turn something on if I'm if I'm working on something or if I'm you know about to fall asleep or whatever, I'll throw some random thing on. I'll watch some random match. I'll do that sort of stuff. That's it, but it's not sustainable. It's not something that I'm gonna pay twenty bucks a month for. I pay the ninety nine for the network for the live pay per views for that sort of stuff. The again, like New Japan World, the the, the archive is a bonus. That's what it's gonna be for this for me is I think that initially I'm going to go awesome 20 bucks. I will watch a lot of these old dragon Gate USA shows. I'll watch a lot of these old evolve shows. You know, I'll watch tons of old ring of honor, but it's going to come a point where, you know, I'm going to get sick of that. And then is there enough value in the live shows? And I don't know that there is. And and that's going to be the thing for me is that I might just be a case by case person. I might be someone that, that in a given month, if there was a ton of really good evolve shows or whatever, I'll buy it that month, but it's not going to be this auto pay thing that I'm going to be happy with $20 every single month being taken out of my check. And that's not, I don't know. It's necessarily a price point thing. Because I, I've seen a lot of people mention that. I understand why it's a little bit more expensive than WWE Network. I understand why it's a little bit more expensive than New Japan World because these are smaller companies. But from my standpoint of, am I going to get the proper amount of value out of that? It, you know, if New Japan World charged $20 a month, I would probably buy it. If, if, if WWE Network was 25 I would actually consider it because it's still a huge savings for me. 
This, I don't know if it's a huge savings for me. I don't know if it's a huge value for me. So I will probably be a case-by-case person. And again, like your point, that kind of should worry some people that you and I are like, eh, you know, we should be throwing down 20 bucks right now. You can buy it right now. You can go on the website right now. I have not had that, that, that urge quite yet to go and put my credit card on there and say, yes, I will give you guys $20 and I will give you guys $20 in, in perpetuity, charge my check, you know, charge my card every single month. I haven't done that. You haven't done that. And I know a lot of other people haven't as well. And that should be concerning. This is you know, given our little service. Let, let so. me tell you something. Compare the conversation we're having now. This show existed when the network and New Japan World were rolled out. Rich, we acted like our lives were changed. We thought those were the greatest fucking things to ever be introduced into our lives that didn't that that didn't involve breasts. Okay, like we, we couldn't get over ourselves and how did I say breasts? Who says breasts? You did. Yes, I, I don't know. Did I really just <laughs> say the word breasts? Uh, you did. I would have went boobs. Um... I mean, what's wrong with tits? Why did I just say breasts? I'm so ashamed of myself. <laughs> what am I, a preacher? What is happening? Well, we're, we're a show that likes to keep it, you know, pretty no, PG. No, we're not. I mean, I think... and, and oh, I okay. And we did say fuck is... like 35 times in the first, you know, 20 minutes of the show, so I guess not. Rich, so. we did a half hour on, on sticking fingers and asses two weeks ago, and I... That's, uh, that was not very well received on the uh, big picture talk <laughs> survey that we had. It was either people were either disgusted by it or they're like, we want more of that. There's no... Well, the one thing I got from that, which was interesting, is a lot of people were like, yeah, I was listening with my, like, family, or my mom was listening, or my girlfriend, or my wife. What are you doing listening to put your headphones on go into a dark corner and listen to the show do not li- publicly you're going to listen to this show listen, you're like I have people no idea. To this? you cannot listen to this show because can you imagine like your family gather around children we're going to listen to joe and here's rich, the problem like. with this show it comes out of nowhere like it, it, you you we're loose cannons rich Right, we it's, are. We're Brian Pillman here. We could just start talking about, you know, butt sex randomly. I mean, it's... In, including this conversation right now that we're talking about. This exact literal example right here. Exactly. So. I, I, but <laughs> I actually am mad at myself for using the word breasts. I mean, that yeah. is just pathetic. I mean, there was a thousand other descriptors. Yeah, I'm trying to figure out the last time I've used, like, in any sort of a sexual context, breasts. I don't think ever because ever, I'm not if, forty. I'm not fifty-five. If you ever use breasts in a sexual context, let me see your breasts. Whoever yeah. you're with is gonna like dry up like the Sahara. You can't. But my point <laughs> here is, when New Japan World and WWE Network were rolled out, we were we were head over heels with excitement. We thought the world was fucking changing, and 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 and, rea- and in reality, it did. I mean, I think those services are amazing especially at the price points they're at. I think that, that, that they were truly game changers. This is not giving me that feeling. I, I don't feel like this is a game-changing uh, service. Now, I'll tell you this, though. I think the $20 price point seems high now, but I think what their business plan is, is, look, they only have one company officially on board. I mm-hmm. think what their plan is, look, it's 20 now. We get that people think it's a little expensive, but six months from now, when you're getting the entire WWN library and all of their live shows, the entire Ring of Honor library and all of their live shows, the entire Progress library and all of their live shows, uh, every live CMLL show. I'm just throwing companies out there now. Uh, every uh, Rev Pro show in their entire library. In addition to AAW, Inspire Pro Wrestling, CZW, uh, you know, the second tier ones as filler, okay? Then peop- then the price point will rem- at $20. Now you're going, oh, now wait a minute. Now we're talking a bargain because now I'm getting six major league big-time promotions 
and a half a dozen secondary promotions that, hey, if I'm paying for them, I might as well take a peek at them. Okay. Then I think that's something that I would strongly consider buying. Out of the gate, though, with just WWN and even assuming ROH, I don't know, man. This is not something I'm jumping in with two feet. I think for me, I think included all those other companies that I just named. Yeah, exactly. I I think that changes it a little bit for me. I think the big thing for me would be that ring of honor library. And if, and when they do announce, Hey, you know, and and I say if, because, you know, they might say, Hey, we're going to have every live show and every, you know, ring of honor show from 2010 on or whatever, you know, they could realistically say that, that that's that, you know, that's our limit. We're not going to go all the way back to 2002. If they say we have every show, every major event, everything from 2002 until the present, that's going to change a little bit for me because I will be way more excited because that that's you know the Ring of Honor that I know and love. That's a Ring of Honor that I've always wanted to go back and really rewatch, really go back and and really study and, and do that sort of stuff. Because I haven't really had the opportunity to do that. I have some DVDs here and there, but to just sit down and binge watch all of 2006 Ring of Honor, you know what I mean? Like stuff like that would be that'd be fun for me. So I think I would be to get an initial um, buzz from that specifically, but I just don't know how sustainable that would be. But like you're saying, I have no issue with the price point. That's not a problem for me. I can see others doing it, but for me, it's not an issue. But yeah, it, it does look a little weird now that it's only Dolly and Live, but we do know that more are going to be on there and more is going to happen. But I'm still, yeah, I'm not as I don't think as they have. The, I don't think I they have been. the yeah. balls to charge $20 a month for WWN Live. I think that's a set price point. I don't think it's going up. I think the more content they add, the better the value gets. But you made the point of burnout on old content, right? where people are gung-ho about old content for a couple weeks and then they stop watching it. I have another point to add on to that, though, Rich. You say that you'd be super excited about the ROH. Now it becomes a a thing, though, with all of these services. Where is the time to get your uh, money's worth out of it? When does a Rich Krejci have time to plop down in front of his computer and watch a 2003 ROH show when he has all of this other – it also becomes a time issue. There's only so many hours in the day. So, uh, you know, not only do people get burnt out quickly on older footage, because we've always been huge proponents here of it's it's new footage that drives the bus on these things. And that is just, you, you know, it's indisputable that it's the new footage that drives the bus. You burn out on the old footage. And the fact of the matter is, I look, you're someone who's busier than me. I don't even have the time to take advantage of these services, uh, the, the libraries to their fullest. I mean, and I know that other people don't eat. And the more services that you're paying for, and I only have two of them. You know, if, if I had three or four of these services, there's no way I'd have time to take advantage of these back libraries. So I think they're going to run into a problem with that too. We're just sure. – the, 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 as the world changes and all these ser- – and, and listen, we're just talking about wrestling. Right, I, I I don't even tap I don't even tap one twentieth of what I want on Netflix or anything that I like on exactly. Hulu or sports too. We both watch sports. Like I barely watched the NBA already. I mean, there's been three days of the NBA and I've watched a few games because I've been busy doing other shit. Uh, that doesn't even count MLB. I you know you watch every single Reds game every single year or whatever. You know you watch every single Rams game. Like there's competition. And oh by the way, you know I work and I have a life outside of just sitting at home and watching. T- so it, it's it, it is it's becoming a competition for eyes as well, and it might this might be the barometer for what's the limit that people can really watch wrestling and, and, and want to pay and invest in watching wrestling and, and have a stock in, in, in watching and consuming wrestling. This could be it. This could be the barometer that we'll, we'll see. So I got to tell you, and, and you know, we've been thinking about this for months. Like, like we said at the beginning of the segment um, to me, there were three 
you know, key companies that, that would have been difference makers if they got all three. And that was Ring of Honor, PWG, and New Japan. And it looks like they're only going to get one. I really don't see WWN Live as – look, I see them as a good get. Don't get me wrong. Oh, certainly, yeah. I, I don't see WWN Live as a huge difference maker. Those, those iPay-per-views really don't they, – they're not – they're look, Evolve shows are great, but and, – and Gabe always puts together, for the most part, a great product, but they're not huge financial successes ever. I mean, they, there's not thousands of people buying these Evolve shows, okay? It's hundreds. Let's be honest. No, they're really good shows. I think the best way to kind of describe it, especially current Evolve, is that every time you sit down and, and, and you invest in, a, in an Evolve show, you're going to probably get your money's worth. It's going to be a very good show, but it's not something that you need to cancel your Friday night plans to sit home and watch Evolve. You know what I mean? It's not something that you're going to invite all your friends over to come watch Evolve. It's not something that you just have to drop everything and watch an Evolve show live. It, it's not that. WrestleMania weekend, yeah, that is a show where I think you should just drop everything and, and watch it because it's a fun little weekend to kind of do that. But, you know, Evolve 72, are you really just going to say, well, hey, I, I'm not doing anything because Evolve 72 is happening. No, I don't know that it changes your life if you miss Evolve 72. Yeah, you might miss a good match, but you can go back and watch it. So that that is going to be a problem, too, is that it's just, I love Evolve, you love Evolve, but let's be honest, I mean, they get, you know, 200 people to their shows, they get and, and how many... And another 400 to buy the iPay-per-view. Yeah, that's what I mean. I mean. Look, like, what are, what's this... really the, 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 the max number there of people that really, you know, are going to watch every single Evolve that, show or, or pay point. for the service not really, for Evolve? I yeah. don't think they're pushing they're not pushing a, a large number by pay-per-view i mean right. we know that eight thousand people are paying for new japan and we we know that's not really a drop in the bucket for their business big picture those eight western people we know that those eight thousand western people who are paying for new japan world is not a huge uh dramatic business changing thing for them but there's eight thousand people willing to pay for new japan every month Evolve's not coming close to that. They don't have 8,000 people buying their shows. No, God, no. Okay? No. Uh, you know, and it's like Ring of Honor. You know, their pay-per-views, even though their, you know, businesses, their pay-per-view business has declined, they're still selling thousands of pay-per-views when they run a pay-per-view. They're not selling 300 pay-per-views, which some of these and, – and for sure, like these Shine and FIP shows, I mean – you know, some of these FIP shows, there's probably like 80 people buying these shows. I mean, can we be completely honest? And and I, and if it, if that's a low number, it's not that much lower than the reality. How many people you think are plunking down the 6.99 or whatever for FIP on a Friday night? No, they run on Friday nights. Um, I think these IP these FIP shows. Mm-hmm. I believe you're there's correct. There's yeah. 100 people watching them. I really don't think WWE on Live is is look. I to me, they weren't one of the three major. Look to me, it was New Japan, it was Ring of Honor. And it was PWG. I think PWG. And I, this is just I don't. No one knows. That, look, my opinion is I think PWG sells more individual DVDs and and downloads of their sh- of their individual shows than Evolve sells iPay-per-views. Um, I think you'd be right. That's my. Opinion. I mean, I, the, the case in, the, the the case for it is PWG has not changed their business model, so obviously there you it's go. working. Bingo. Right. Is, is we've been screaming, why are they not doing this? Why are they not doing that for four or five years? And they don't change a damn thing. And the reason they don't change a damn thing is because it must be working for them. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And look, and I'm so, look, I think Evolve's great. Okay. I don't buy every show, but I buy a decent number of them and I enjoy it a lot. I almost never dislike an Evolve. Yeah. It's a great product. It's great. You know, especially currently, you know, it's really good right now, aside from their awful champion. But other than, you know, it's, it's a really, but, to me, it's 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 more of a look. These are all niche companies. Let's be honest, but they're more of a niche company than those other three, and that, to this point, is their big ticket get. Look, I'm concerned. If you're asking me right now how I think this thing is going to do, 
I think it's going to bomb. All right. Let's talk about a show that did not bomb, Joe. Pro Wrestling Noah, Great Voyage 2016 in Yokohama. Well, I don't know. <laughs> well, <laughs> depends on your definition of bomb. Okay, look, <laughs> let's talk the business first. Let's do it. Okay. Yeah. The show drew 2,100 fans. A couple weeks ago when we previewed it, I set the over-under at 1,800. And I don't remember which side each of us took. I know we took I took the under. I took the under. I believe you took the over. And I only took the over just to spice it up and make sure that we were different. Um, I wasn't really confident in the over, so I'm not going to claim victory. It's not fair. Um, But, yeah, it did 2,100 fans. We were very, very bearish on this show. We did that because if you would have put a gun to my head, I would have said the under. Um, look, now this was a significant drop from the amount of fans that they did in Yokohama in January, but as we've spoken about many times on this show, if you recall, that January Yokohama show was the show where Marafuji dropped the title to Takeshi Segera about a month after finally winning it from Minoru Suzuki, when the company had a little momentum going, all right, we finally beat Suzuki, Marafuji's got the belt, four weeks later, he's losing it right back to Suzuki Gun, and... About, I don't know, about two months ago on this show, I was able to kind of show a business trend pattern of business spiraling truly into the pit from that point forward. That is when my opinion, when the fans threw their hands for good at Pro Wrestling Noah, when Seguero won the title back. It's been all downhill from there. So remember, this was the same building. So that's why I thought they weren't going to do well coming back to Yokohama because these fans had to sit there and watch that horseshit booking that they got last time in January. Look, 2,100 fans, I think that's – I can't call it a major win. I can't call it a major disaster. The big question, Rich, that I have for you, do you think – what do you think this show would have done minus the New Japan talent, Katsuyori Shibata, Great Bash Heel, and to a lesser extent, the tag team of Gato and Jado? Do you think this show would have done significantly lower numbers, or do you think it would have done about the same – with like okay, I'll give you this scenario right here. Let's say the tag title match was Yano and Marafuji defending against Killer Elite Squad, and Goshiozaki was facing Shelton Benjamin instead of uh, Katsuyori Shibata. Do you think how many fans do you think show up for this show? Yeah, I, I think it's significantly less. I, I really do. I, I think you look at the placements, and I think you you did it exactly there. You look at you know, the top three matches. It's a New Japan guy. A New Japan guy, a New Japan guy, a New Japan guy. I mean, in that tag match, there were three New Japan guys and one Noah guy. In that, you know, Shibata and Go Shiozaki, the, you know, the third from the top match, it was half New Japan guys. Yes, the main event was, you know, strictly Noah guys. Uh, but in yeah, up and down the card. In a feud that was built in New Japan, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not only, so, yeah. So that I think I, that's significant. I do think that that you take those out and you do the scenarios like you said, and, and you can interchange names and Shelton Benjamin and or whoever you know whatever. I, I yeah, I really do think it does significantly less because we've seen kind of what the barometer for that Noah roster is. I don't know that they were ever going to really do much more with that roster and with that roster makeup because the fans have been burned so many times by all the guys that they thought were the, the Noah saviors and all these sort of guys that would come in. So yeah, I, I just, I, I do think significantly less how significant I don't know, but I, I do think that you have to attribute some of this um, to, you know, the influx of new Japan town. And we saw it even a few weeks ago with Okada coming in. Like, I think that's going to be, if they really want to have this business plan moving forward and they really want to keep Noah, 
you know, thriving or, or, or at least, you know, quote, thriving as they are right now, you're going to have to just keep having some New Japan guys come in and not just your, your lower rung New Japan guys and not just, you know, an invading stable that hangs around there forever, but a, a, an influx of newer, you know, top tier New Japan talent kind of coming in for a few shots here and there and then bouncing if, if you really want uh, to keep the, the, the attendance up, because I do think it was significant. I really do. Yeah, I see. I'm not ready to declare whether the New Japan talent working in NOAA is significantly helping business yet. We have three pretty good examples to look at right now. The Corican Hall show headlined by Kazuchika Okada. Obviously, that's a tricky one to look at. Look, they were not doubling attendance without Okada on that show. We know that. They were going to do under 1,000 again without Okada on that show. But that's Okada. You know what I mean? That's that's a different scenario. Um, So I kind of have to throw that one out. They had the show in Differ uh, about a week ago, and they did just a shade under 400 fans. They did 300 and something fans. Kind of falls right in the middle with the Differ shows this year. It was less than the Differ shows that had title matches. It was more than the Differ shows that were just throwaway shows. I don't think the New Japan show helped that show at all. I think it was just an average attendance show for an average show. And then we had this Yokohama show where I'm with you. I think they do draw less without those guys. I don't know if it's significantly less, though. I, I, I don't – I need more data is what I'm saying. I need more data. And here's the thing. I think we're going to get more data. It's like I said a couple weeks ago, and I think you agree with me. I don't think this cross-pollination of the rosters is going away. Um, we know what it's going to go until at least the Tokyo Dome. I think it's going beyond that. I think this is life now. I think this is Bushi Road life. I think yeah. – I think this is – this is what – I think this is, this is the deal now. I really do. Um especially if it continues to have and proves to have a positive impact on Noah's business, then I, I think if the plan is to keep Noah alive, which it appears to be, um, then there's no reason uh, to not continue moving forward with it. Uh, you want to talk a little bit about the show? Because I thought it was uh, pretty solid, at least from what I saw. But uh, you, you watched the entire show, correct? Yeah, I watched the whole show, beginning to end. Okay, yeah. Uh, give your thoughts on the uh, the top uh, few matches. We'll, we'll get we'll get into the top matches. Uh, or do you want to start? Let's start with the top matches. That we always. Why are we doing? You know, Tetsuki Hirai. Yeah, yeah, no, let's not it, do Yone it, and Quiet Storm what, though, and Ogawa. In this versus... case, I'll just run through them real very quick. Yeah, that, that's fine. It'll and do then we'll bounce quick, to the we'll... top of the show. Yeah. Since you didn't watch them, I'll just blow through them instead of saving it for the end. I'll say this about the prelims. And when I say the prelims, I'm talking about the first four matches on the show before the first title match. The final five matches were the four title matches plus the Shibata Shiozaki match, which I think we're going to spend the most time talking about uh the prelims on this show were fun as hell and what i was thinking when i was watching the 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 four prelim matches on this show was the energy level of the wrestlers there was a palpable difference because they were working in front of fans i mean they were working in front of 2100 fans and it seemed like the wrestlers were into it i mean you watch these noah house shows and in front of you know 200 fans, 300 fans, 400 fans if you're lucky, and these guys just sleepwalk through these matches, and they're impossible to watch. I'll tell you what, you know, it's like this great Muhammad Yone Quiet Storm tag team, which I love. What do they call themselves? The 50 Funky what? 50 Funky something. Um, (laughs) I don't care. Yone and Quiet. Let me tell you something, Rich. You don't care because you skipped it. But if you didn't see uh, 50, fun- 50 Funky Powers, that's what they call it. There you go. Okay. 50 Funky Powers, okay? They get in there. They do their little uh, disco moves before the match. I mean, how can you not love them? You know, and they're teaming with Ogawa. There was energy in that match. And those three guys beat uh, uh, Akatoshi Saito, Maybach, and Shiro Tomiyose. Uh, Tomiyose, by the way, I love that guy. And he seems like the last of the young guys from his class that they're going to give a push to. 
uh, Hitoshi Kamano has gotten some level of uh, elevation lately. Uh, Masa Kitamiya obviously is a guy who they're doing more with. And Tomiyose sort of been left behind, and now he's injured. So that's only going to set him back further. But, you know, that guy's a tank. And he's a hell of an athlete, too. So. Yeah, he's like 5'5 five, five or something, like 210 pounds. Like, he's just a, a he little He's like a bull, mini yeah. Okabayashi, almost. Yeah, you know? right. But, and he does, like, backflips. I, I mean, he's just an impressive athlete for his size. But, uh, yeah, so that was your opener. And then, very quickly, Daisuke Harada and Hatoshi Kamano, who I just mentioned, uh, they beat El Desperado and Taichi, which I thought was kind of a mild surprise. Okay, this was Daisuke Harada. Because you could have beaten Kamano there, easily. But they didn't go that route. And that's kind of a theme on this show. Uh, Suzuki Gun took some lumps here. They did. Suzuki Gun took some lumps here. And it's like a year too late, right? It's like, (laughs) you know, it's it's, it's, it's too late. You know, so Harada and Kumano win. And that's a team that didn't need to win because the only reason Harada is in that match is because Katoge had a singles match later in the show. Harada was like a man on an island. He's teaming with Kumano. You didn't have to win that, but Suzuki Gun loses. I kind of think that's significant. And the other key was these matches were only about five minutes long. The show had a good pace in the beginning, and the wrestlers had good energy. And I was like, holy shit, I don't have to skip. These matches are actually... This is this is Noah, and these matches are watchable. These guys aren't sleepwalking. Masa Kitamiya, clean win over Takashi Azuka. Okay, again, a year ago, Rich Azuka either wins this or he loses by DQ, and they beat the shit out of Kitamiya after the match. Right? I mean, let's be honest. That's what would have happened here. But Kitamiya gets the clean win over Azuka. I mean, that's you know that was a fantastic result. The theme here. And we'll get into it more when you jump in. I thought this was such a well-booked show more than anything else. I didn't think this was a great wrestling show by any means, but I thought the booking on this show was tremendous. And even the one finish that I questioned on paper ended up working in practice. Okay, And the last match of the prelims was Minoru Suzuki, who's been moved down the card. They've done a great job moving him down the card and putting him in this feud with Kato Kiyomiya who I've been high on since his young boy day. Listen, he's got to get rid of that unibrow. Right? The unibrow is terrible. The hair and the unibrow is he awful. He needs a haircut, okay? He need, I, I could send him to Ashley. Ashley will take care of him. She'll get him a good – she takes care of me. He needs to get rid of that unibrow, okay? But this kid's got potential. And this feud with Minoru Suzuki is the most – is the least talked about good feud in wrestling right now. I mean, this Kiyomiya, this is exactly what you need to do to get a young guy over. Minoru Suzuki just pummels this kid every time out, beats the living shit out of him, but he shows so much heart, and he shows so much fight, and he comes closer and closer each time. He lasted 12 minutes with Minoru Suzuki here. 12 minutes with Minoru Suzuki, and he managed to get, look, he didn't get long stretches of offense, but he had comeback offense. He had some fiery offense, and he went 12 minutes with the guy. You know, that elimination match I watched a few weeks ago from uh, from Differ, the Differ show I was just talking about. Yeah, or yeah. maybe it was Quirk, and I don't remember. But, but they had an elimination match, uh, Suzuki Gun versus Noah. And Kiyomiya and Suzuki went over the top rope at the same time, right? So they were both eliminated. And when Kiyomiya realized that he eliminated Suzuki, even though he had eliminated himself as well, he celebrated like he just won the fucking GHN. <laughs> he's running around the ring with his arms up, and he's got this shit-eating grin on his face. He's like, I can't believe it. I eliminated Minoru Suzuki from the match. And then, of course, Suzuki took a chair and beat the living shit out of him while the match was going on, which was funny, too. You got Suzuki killing this kid outside on the floor. Meanwhile, the rest of the match is going on. But this has been such a good feud. And even though he never wins, and he's probably never going to beat Minoru Suzuki. Okay, I, I, I mean, he may never win a match against the guy um, because they're just not at that point yet where he can do that. But he's getting over in defeat. 
And again, yeah, and that's that's a key thing. I mean, that's not easy to do, but when you can do it well and and make it work, and we talk about it all the time, it, it's not always wins and losses. It, it, yes, wins and losses are important, but there are ways to get people over in losses. And 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 like you said, going twelve minutes with a Minoru Suzuki for somebody that's got what twenty years old still—that's a win. I mean, even if he loses, and even if he only gets a few offense, just surviving for that long in the minds of the fans and in the minds of people that watch Noah, that's a victory. So that, that's just good booking on their standpoint. It's been a very good feud as well. Yeah, so you've got three matches here on the prelims that a year ago, six months ago, probably would have went a lot different. Suzuki Gun probably pins Kamanu in that tag. Takashi Azuka does not get beaten clean by Kitamiya a year ago. It just doesn't happen. I'm sure Azuka beat Kitamiya a few times a year. I, I, if you looked it up, I mean, Kitamiya got a definitive win over him here. And in this match, too, this was not a squash as they continued this very slow progression of Kiyomiya, which is fine for a guy in his position. He's 20 years old and he's still a young boy. So excellent booking on the prelims. And to me, Rich, uh, the, the excellent booking continued on as we moved on to the rest of the show. Uh, wh- which matches did you watch? Because I can. Uh, I watched the I watched all of the last three matches. OK, so, yeah, it was only the last three that, that I had time for. So, yeah, you can jump in the others. But I had Shibata, Shiozaki uh, and the GHC and the GHC heavyweight title. So I saw the tag, the heavyweight and then Shibata go Shiozaki. I did not have time for the others, but I am planning on watching them all because I looked at the match times. I went, oh, OK, this is pretty good. And, and now with your review. Um, and what I've heard from other people as well, that it does sound like it's, it's worthwhile to it's, watch. The look, these shows. aren't five-star matches, but they're watchable. Yeah. Which reminds me of, and, and I got the same feeling just even watching those last three matches, um, that it felt in a lot of ways, like the most energy I've seen from a, a Noah show in quite some time. It might even go back honestly to that, that September show that we always talk about. This that last year's September show that was just incredible. It's just awesome, awesome stuff from top to bottom because there's just, it seemed to be a new energy in that promotion and the, and the wrestlers, I thought you, you brought up a really good point about it. And, and I just don't know that people really understand it quite enough that these men are human beings that if you're wrestling in front of 80 people and you know, you're a guy like a, a Segura who used to wrestle in huge, Huge audiences, or even a Nakajima, or a ton of these guys, Marufuji, these sort of guys used to work in big crowds with Noah in this company, in this same company that they're working for, used to work in front of huge crowds, and now you're working in front of 100 people that don't care about anything you're doing and aren't invested in any of your storylines. You're not going to go out there and have great performances. Like that's just the, the that's that's human nature. That's how people react. They're not going to go out there and kill themselves. Yes, ideally. Every time out, you bring 100% effort, and you always do, do the most for everybody that paid their money and everybody that does that. But if you're a Goshiozaki, can you really have the same pride, you know, working a house show in front of 200 people when, you, you know, a handful of years ago, it would have been a couple thousand or whatever. Or, you know, for these big shows, it'd be 30,000. And now there's, you know, you're happy that that 1,200 show or, you know, 200 show or 2,000 show up or whatever. You know what I mean? Like that they're human beings. Like that's just a thing that 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 it's impossible to separate that. You're never going to get full effort. In those standpoints, you never, it's impossible to do it. You, you, you can't sustain yourself doing that. So we see that when they get these big crowds and when these nice crowds, it, it, it's night and day, the guys are just so much better. And I saw that with the show, even in those three matches that I saw, the crowd seemed a little bit more into it. The wrestlers seemed a little bit more into it. And, you know, the booking seemed a little pretty solid too, even in those final three. So, uh, hopefully this is just kind of the start of, uh, of some good stuff going on with Noah. And I think, I think the general tenor around the company too, is that it finally does seem to be a little bit of a light shining through a little bit. Uh, after after so much darkness for God so long a little bit the new the new Japan stuff has definitely given it some life but I thought the booking was solid up and down the junior tag title match Gato and Jado a bit of a surprise they actually successfully defended the titles look I like interjecting them here because how many times can you do O'Hara and Kano versus Harada and uh, and Katoge how many times can you do it they really pushed the limit on how many times you could do that match last year and with the tiny roster. 
you've got to do something to mix it up. You've got to do something to make it a little different. So this little run by Gato and Jado, I think, serves that purpose. I don't mind them winning here. I didn't expect them to win, but I think it's the right call. Because if O'Hara and Cano win, I mean, where do you go from there? Uh, I mean, you know, and, and I guess it makes more sense after I talk about the next match. Kotoge, again, Suzuki Gun took their lumps on this show. He beats Yoshinobu Kanemaru. There was minimal Suzuki gun interference. Uh, it didn't matter. Kotoge successfully defended the title against the man that he beat. But the interesting thing here, Rich, is when Harada hopped in the ring to celebrate with him and he shook his hand, he didn't let go of his hand. And he is your next challenger, it appears. So the two tag team partners are going to be facing each other for the junior title. Will you be into a Katoge versus Harada? That's gonna be a, yeah. Oh, hell yeah. That's going to be a hell of a match. Okay. So. And I like that idea, too, of, like, you don't have to hate each other. You know what I mean? Like, in WWE, he would have hit him with a chair and bloodied him up and called him a piece of shit. But this is just kind of like, a, yeah, you know, hey, like, can I have a chance? Like, let me let me see what I can do. I, I like that. I like the little challenge match there. That, that's fine. And this, you know, and, and it felt like whoever it, wins, you'll get a handshake or whatever at the end, probably. And, and Yeah, you know, which, which also explains more of the Gato and Jado thing, because the, the other primary junior team is tied up with the singles title for a while. Look. It's stuff seems a little more fresh now, right? I mean, they're doing some different programs. Uh, Kanemaru, this felt like a blow-off between him and Katoge. Uh, he got beat clean in the middle. The, inter- the minimal interference that there was didn't seem to matter. That's the other thing on this show, too. The Suzuki gun interference was really held to a minute. I mean, that was the only match where I- I- they didn't interfere at all in the main event. Uh, they did a little bit, but I think I forgot who it was, but somebody staved them off and it, it lasted for like two seconds. Like I forgot who it was. Somebody got in the ring or, or came to the ringside and then some I forgot who it was. Yeah, run off and that was it. And then, yeah, and then they didn't come back. I mean, and then the last, you know, 25 minutes of the match was no interference. And I was like, and I'm watching it going, okay, okay, when's it? And, and we'll talk about it when we get to the main event. But I felt, felt the crowd at a point was kind of like, all right, when's it going to happen? When's it going to happen? And then it never happened. They were like, oh, okay. And so it's going to be a little bit of a time where they're going to have to, to re-educate their audience that, no, some matches just are between two people and we find out who the better person is. Sometimes that just happens. So that's going to be cool. But it's going to take some re-educating because they've, this fan base has been so beaten down over the last two years with Every match just being filled with Azuka and his stupid hand and Shelton Benjamin. You know what I mean? Like, it's going to take a little bit of time to sort of uh, cool it down a little bit and for people to understand, okay, no, these matches are just just happen sometimes, too, without this shit. So that, that it's a good thing, though. It's going to take a little bit of time, but it's well worth it to get, you know, re-educate the fans on that because that, that that's a pillar of Noah. Yeah, and as Benjamin's well. gone. Killer Elite Squad wasn't even on the show. Um, they're basic. They've been part-timers for most of the better part of this year. I mean, and to me, that just speaks to what I see as cost cutting. Uh, I, mm-hmm. I think it's pretty clear. Uh, they're coming back for the global league, um, Archer and Smith. Uh, but yeah, so um, different feel for the junior tag titles now with Gato and Jado. Look, neither one of these matches, neither one of these junior matches were great matches by any means. They were okay matches. They were both average matches. But the thing about Gato and Jado, their matches are very different than the, than the junior matches that, Noah has been, but which which have been excellent matches, and I think that's a good thing too. Just to have a different style in there, even if the matches aren't quite up to snuff. And uh, the junior scene's a little different now too, with Kanemaru out of the picture. It'll be Katoge versus Harada. That should be good stuff. And now we get into the meat of the card. Um, let's do Shibata Shiozaki first, because I'm really excited to talk about this. What did you think of this? First of all, um, the booking. On paper, this was the match that I was talking about. It felt kind of weird reading the results that Shibata won. Didn't make a ton of sense. But then when I watched it, I actually thought this was pretty brilliant. What did you think about this? 
I'm right with you as well. When he won, I said, oh, geez, I thought that was going to be, you know, our, our, our Wrestle Kingdom match. Or I thought that'd be a really cool Wrestle Kingdom match, but I guess not because Shibata sort of slayed the beast or whatever. Um, but then you watch the the, 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 the post-match of it or whatever. And yeah, Shibata did win. He beat him with the penalty kick. But Shiozaki was so pissed. He's clawing at the mat. Like, they have to, the, everybody in Noah has to drag him out of the ring because he just wants to kill Shibata. So I thought, okay, cool. And, and and especially with the visual of like the blood running down from his nose or whatever. I mean, there was so many visuals in this match that were just incredible. Like like a Katsuburi Shibata match. Like this guy, I mean, a, a, in any match that he's in, the visuals are just top notch. And it's it, it's not even intentional all the time, too. Cause in this this match, and I you alluded to it on Twitter as well, he went real high with a kick, I believe it was, and and definitely busted Goshiozaki's nose wide open. I mean, Goshiozaki, he was just bleeding profusely from the nose, and it added to the match so much because you could tell Shiozaki kind of and he played it up a little bit too, which I'm sure was half, you know, the character and half also uh, I kind of pissed that you hit me in the fucking nose. This hurts a lot. Because then Shibata came with a new sort of rage, and you could see it in his eyes that he was a little bit more mad and a little bit more upset. And it just really added to the match in a whole nother the level as well that every chop that he did every certain you know comeback that he did after that point just seemed like it had so much more tenacity to it so much more realness to it so much more grittiness to it because of that blood and it, it's it's something that you can't plan for it's not something intentional this wasn't obviously a blade job or anything it was Shibata going a little too high with a kick but it just works so well and I thought one of the cool moments of this entire match was um, in the final stretch, Shibata is going for his big headbutt, you know, the big, you know, we know the big bloody headbutt, you know, it's gonna be loud or whatever. And Shiozaki knows that it comes and just pushes him out of the way and then chops the fuck out of him a few times just to say, no, you know, I know what you're trying to do. I know this sort of stuff. Uh, Shibata ended up, of course, hitting the sleeper and the PK, but you know, when it was all said and done, Shiozaki, it felt like he, he didn't get dominated, even though he lost this match. It still seemed like he knew. Okay, you give me you give me one more chance against you, and I'm gonna beat you. I know that I'm better than you. I know that I'm gonna redeem myself. And that was really the cool thing when it was all said and done. Is that you know the Noah guys are trying to get him out of the ring, and he's just clawing at the ring. He's scratching at it. He's just screaming like he wants at Shibata. And Shibata, you know, is on the ropes with his arms crossed, just kind of looking at him like, all right, I just beat you. So it, it's a cool little visual there. So yeah, I, obviously I was surprised that Shibata did beat him. But when you watch that post match, you know that this this is not over. This feud will continue. So. Yeah, it, you, you nailed it. It's like Shiozaki was frustrated because he knew he could beat this guy, but he came up short. The visual of the blood on the face was perfect. Um, accidental blood is so much better than blading. I, I can You can take your 1970s blade jobs with the face as a crimson mask. I never liked that stuff. I think it's, uh, it's tacky. Um, but when guys bleed accidentally, I think it adds so much to a match because it's not only a good visual seeing the blood come out of his nose and it looks more realistic than when you had like Tommy Rich with his whole face full of blood, but it's like, it looks more realistic. And the wrestlers too, I think when they accidentally get busted up, it ups their performance level too. There's sort of this, uh, this, this injection of adrenaline that they get when they get busted open the hard way and, and, and they get more intense in the match and it really added something here. And the post-match stuff was great. Shibata literally hand-waved him. Like, get out of here. I took care of you. And he gave him a literal hand-wave. And then he sat down defiantly, you know, Indian style with his arms crossed. And then he took those sarcastic bows to the Noah crowd, both in the ring and then when he was up on the ramp. And and the whole time, Shiozaki, like you said, is just trying to get past the young boys. And he's literally clawing he's, he, he, he's he's foaming at the mouth too he's just rabid so and i'll tell you we all assumed he would just win this to set up the title match at whether tokyo dome or wherever else but when you really think about it I, this takes me back to the ring of honor czw feud 
and the principle, but the main principle that they stuck to and why that feud was so successful and why that feud drew money and why that feud was an aesthetic success and why it's universally praised is both promoters put their egos aside and they said, if this feud is going to work, you're going to win in my building and I'm going to win in your building because we have to annoy each other's fans. What does Go Shiozaki do when he comes to Sumo Hall for New Japan? He comes in there, he kicks New Japan's ass, and he gets booed out of the building. As he, as a, and he's a cocky prick. What does Shibata do when he comes to Noah? He beats Go Shiozaki, and then he gets booed out of the building because he's being a cocky prick. This is how you book interpromotional stuff. You win on the other guy's turf. That's how you build it. This is what you do. Uh, so from that perspective, we should all kind of feel dumb. I mean, this is actually the logical finish to do to keep this issue going. Rather, you know, that rather than have Shiozaki win on his home field, they're building up heat for this, or they're attempting to build up heat for this feud with the two fan bases. And if they do face each other at the dome, maybe it sells a couple hundred, a couple thousand extra tickets. Uh, who knows from either Noah fans or just fans of pro wrestling in general, who want to see a compelling finish to this compelling issue. So, you know, again, very well booked and, and the way it all went down and, and a pleasant surprise. I like when wrestling surprises me and um, all of this, even though I watched it spoiled, I wasn't expecting uh, the intensity of the post-match, and it all really clicked once I watched it. Um, the tag title match, I don't have a ton of thoughts on this. Uh, <laughs> I have zero thoughts. <laughs> My only thought was, is this match still going on? Yes, it is. God damn it. Please end soon. You so. know, not a very good match. Not very compelling at all. It wasn't awful, but it did not need it to was go just a match. minutes. Like, well, I just kept looking up going, oh, my God, it's still going. That's <laughs> Noah, man. I mean, we'll talk about <laughs> that when we talk about happening? the main event. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.